yeah, you guys really do need to have your live journal stuff. I I never write anything on them. I just have them all and read them. But um, Andy, who we're going to be doing her fic, that's the last one we have scheduled, Away from the Sun, mm-hmm. has started a 10-part series about different people. She put up a poll, and everybody got to vote on the top 10 people she's picking, mm-hmm. and they're, they're giving, giving Harry the talk. The talk. <laughs> 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 so, so far we've had Arthur and Neville. And um, I haven't quite figured out who this one is. I was trying to skim it, but then I decided I really needed to get back to the podcast. Imagine Flitwick. Oh, it could be Madame Pomfrey. So I haven't quite seen Snape. who it's going to be. No. Snape? Me, you, Snape? No, me, your mama. I'm me. You need to lick those so we can Minerva. <laughs> oh, it is. It is Snape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta read this. I, I will put Neville, it away. I promise. I think that would just be like a bumbling bunch of misinformation. No, Neville has a book. He's reading from a book. It's a, it's a book. <laughs> okay, okay. Neville be like, you put it where? No, <laughs> what? It, it's got moving pictures, and apparently, it's very graphic. Oh God! I haven't read these, but yeah, I'll have to look at them. Link. <laughs> Link. Uh, yeah. Uh, you jack off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so I've heard that so much more in like TV that's outside of Pittsburgh-based things. So I know. Starting a trend. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> They're from Pittsburgh. They have their own language. Yeah, we do not. We, just... we just smile and nod. P.S. is editing one of the Love Lauren messes. I think the very first one right now, and she's like. You guys talk a lot about sports. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> you think? <laughs> sports Corner with Kelly and the Pittsburghers. <laughs> I think. Oh my right god, that's middle. so funny. You're right in the middle of hockey season right then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it, was, it was very poignant. We like sports. <laughs> we don't like sci Well, I don't dislike sci fi, I just like sports better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. I like sports better. Just happens to be their tangents. <laughs> Sorry. Traditional uh, Potterfic Weekly did sci-fi, Star Trek, Babylon Five, Battlestar Galactica. We do hockey. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> hey, I know. I bring we're gonna we're gonna get into football season soon too. Yeah. <laughs> Traditional or soccer? Traditional. Okay. Just Traditional. Checking. Not football. No football. No, no Americana. We could get those nasty little noise blowing machines. No, we don't have the Vuvuzela. Oh my god, those things! I mean, I try. You know what? I was trying to watch the stupid soccer matches, and I couldn't do it because it was hurting my ears so much. I hear the whole entire time. I thought there was a freaking fly in my house going on my head the entire time. The TV son- networks actually had to go in and edit some of that out so people would watch. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't surprise me. And I didn't oh. even watch any of it, so I missed most of it, but still. I did watch I some of it. it too, but I tried to, but I just, I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I actually listened to some of it because I was either traveling or I was in Michigan for the weekend that we played Ghana. Like, I was listening to it on the radio to keep up with it. I never actually saw a full game, but I, like, checked scores and, and stuff online. I was really excited. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just brings, like, it's not so much the soccer, the football of it. 
it's the last World Cup was like the year I turned 21. And so I have good memories of watching the World Cup and being mm-hmm. able to partake, you know, in adult partake beverages. in adult beverages <laughs> in an establishment that sells adult beverages. So it was, it was a nice. Yeah, like, I, we don't want to know that you were participating in adult beverages in someone's home before you were 21. That would be bad. Oh, I drank Kool-Aid. Come on now. It's complete, you know, it's water and it's sugar and, and, you know, the powdered flavoring was great. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do something like that. No, never, ever. Yes. Did you know apparently alcohol has the most calories per ounce or whatever as anything? Oh, yeah. do you know the biggest one is um, vodka. That's the best calories of all of them. Like one shot of vodka is like a pint of Guinness or something like that. I could be wrong. Someone check my facts. Where's a Ravenclaw when we need one? They all <laughs> hate Huffcast. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? Once again. Yay for Hufflepuff. For July 25th, 2011, this is episode 126 of Potterfield Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Hey, Ronnie, the next time In this episode, we feature typically Puffwanian on-topic discussion. Not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> I can touch my toes to the faucet. I can turn on the sink with my feet. It's like the Manhattan Project. Don't take offense to this, guys. You guys are the most dysfunctional people. <laughs> no, they're not! <laughs> we'll always laugh before the end. I think we please where the story never ends. We were going to have Ryan on the podcast tonight, but he was not able to get his reading done. Shame on him. But in honor of Ryan, I'm going to say, and welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. I'm Sue. I'm Scott. This is Oliver Trisha. Show. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> and I waited See, to be Potterfic Weekly. There it is, right yep. there. That's it, too. This Sorry. week. <laughs> We are doing chapter 16 through 20 of Teddy Lupin and the Forest Guard. We're going to be finishing it out tonight. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying before, it is good to read the other two stories before this, I think. Because there's a lot of reference in her other stories, which I absolutely love. They're some of my favorite ones called Shift and Shades. There's some reference in there that you probably won't get unless you read it. Right. Mm-hmm. Several of the characters are from there or are relatives of ones from there. We've mentioned that earlier. Another thing we were slightly confused about is the whole beginning with the car and the story of who drove and all that stuff. Uh, Remus was, in fact, the one who was teaching at Smeltings for a year. But mm-hmm. it was Tonks who drove the car there to meet him for lunch all the time and bring him Wolfsbane Potion. I just started reading Shifts the other day, so that came up. And I was like, oh... The light bulb came on. All is explained. Yes. And I hadn't remembered that from when I had read it years ago. Yeah, I, like I said, I read those ones multiple times. I really enjoyed them. They were very, very good. Mm-hmm. So if you can, go read this. This is awesome. So this one, chapter 16, is called Loyalty. And it starts off with Teddy trying to talk with some of the other Hufflepuffs because Frankie 
had a fight with him in the last chapter last week and is not talking to him and he wants to know what's going on because he didn't think it was that bad and now all the Hufflepuffs are uncomfortable about talking to him because they're supporting their own and yeah, things sort of spiral into trouble. Hufflepuffs gotta be loyal. Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders. We are rather bullheaded, but you know, we love each other and we would defend each other, you know, to death. Yeah, there's darn Gryffindors. <laughs> Even though they admit that Frankie's kind of being an idiot, they still. Yeah. We're loyal to the end. Mm-hmm. Unless you really screw up, then we're not that loyal to you. Or yeah. unless you're certain versions of Susan Bones, apparently. Yes, they <laughs> <laughs> Unless you go after Harry and then forget it. <laughs> we are no longer your friend. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting Susan to be this, like, really horrible person because of some things that I've been reading. <laughs> yeah. And she's, like, non-existent. <laughs> what, what did she do that was so bad? <laughs> just that she snogged Harry? Yeah. She's his girlfriend. She isn't she's stupid. stupid. No, she's stupid. She's just, she bothers me. Little blonde Susan <laughs> thing. Coming she in should, and... I, I expected her to bother me, and she doesn't. I, yeah, I mean, you guys were, like, acting like she was, like, the devil bitch from hell. Yeah, I thought like, that she I was, like, her. a death eater or something. She is. And I was, like, just doing she, bad things to you, Harry. You just wait. She is the devil bitch from hell. Hey. <laughs> so vicious. There's no reason to have her there. She's just useless. Well, and she apparently needs to snog. What is wrong with that? (laughs) Her personality. There is no justification for that. I mean, quite honestly, I mean, as long as he winds up with Ginny in the end, I don't mind if he dates a trash can. Listen to her. She's so cute. Obviously, she's not as well groomed in her HG loving because it's all right for Harry to date somebody that he really has nothing in common with and she's a big there's no basis for that oh, he doesn't know he needs Ginny yet he is trying he doesn't I even Susan empty headed she's not she's not empty headed so mean to her I hate her is he didn't do anything I was expecting I was expecting on, that defend Susan Hufflepuff solidarity. No, I'm a Hufflepuff, and I'm telling you right now, Susan's not a real Hufflepuff. She's she's been cast out. Get out. You know you don't belong. Bake like a tree and get out of here. Oh, my God. (laughs) Susan is not a Hufflepuff. I have a Gen 2 note about Susan. Susan. What is the basis for that? Like, quite honestly, cite me some passages where it says Susan is not a Hufflepuff. She is a Hufflepuff, but she should not have been sorted to Hufflepuff as she has written in this book. But all she she did was kiss Harry. I haven't gotten to the end of this yet. Susan is not loyal. I'm canceling my vacation. I had to no, come no, back. No, no, Ryan, from you already you said you were going to be here, and I told you right from the start that there was going to be a lot of Susan hate going on, and there is, so you just I back. had to just hey, stop by for a moment. Number one, <laughs> number one, I don't recall voting to give Melinda authority to banish people from House Hufflepuff. I don't recall that. I'll check the record. Maybe she slipped it into the farm bill or something. I don't know. Wait, can I have a couple questions about Susan here? We don't want to. We don't want to talk about Susan. Yes, here, here's, my, here's my question. Now, we're only people's irrational hatred. 
Now, I'm not really here yet. I'm not really here yet. I haven't finished my reading for the week. It's Danielle's birthday. You people heard me playing, you know, Wii Golf. Thank God that's all you heard. And, you know, okay, you know what? Yo, you never know what could happen. It's like having a mic going in the White House Counsel's office. It's very dangerous. Um, but Oh, we you know made stuff up. Don't worry about that. Oh, don't, oh, you know, I love you people. I love getting you all together in one room. It's nice. But, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, this is just going from memory for a lot of this. Sometimes you date someone and it just doesn't work out. And then you date someone else and you marry them and have 27 children. Why, Melinda Leo, must you back over girlfriend A with your car? Because Joe was girlfriend A. We've already done this. It's redundant. Melinda Leo. Your name is Melinda Leo because you have married a guy named Leo. Mm -hmm. Now, if memory serves, you met Leo, you know, very early on. You've you've known Leo forever and ever and ever. Is that accurate? Okay. Sometimes it takes the rest of us a little bit longer. (laughs) We have to try people out. We kick the tires. We give it a shot. Doesn't work. We try someone else. It doesn't work. In my case, we try many someone else's. Sometimes it takes a a little bit longer. Did you That's- see Harry in the beginning of the story? His shoulders were hunched. He was very upset. But Susan makes him happy. And this is so I don't know any Hufflepuff who kick people out of their house. <laughs> <laughs> That's Slytherin. It's, thing. it's like Susan's like it's like Ted Stevens getting booted from the Republican <laughs> Party over here. This is like tragic. That's because she's Republic- drop kickable. She's drop kickable. <laughs> there you go, Jen. Here's the thing. In the beginning, Susan is a nice, quiet little Hufflepuff who makes Harry feel good about himself. Just yeah, let him have that moment. Come on, you people. But it, it, she just doesn't go with him. I mean, they went I, I on agree a date. Melinda, God help your children when they start to date. They're going to bring their little friends over to go to the prom, and you're going to be like, oh, do you want to have children? How many children do you want? And then you look at your son, oh, you're not remotely compatible with this woman. And then you push the little 13-year-old out onto the front walk and, like, knock her down the last step. I don't know. I think they went to the damn ball together. I don't think it's that bad. I think Susan, in the next set of chapters, gives us much to think about. God bless your children when they start to date Melinda Leo. I still don't think you can vote people out, but I'm going to look into it. Have a lovely <laughs> evening, everyone. I'm going to play We Golf. <laughs> Hello. So Teddy has, in previous chapters, or in a previous chapter, Frankie pulled Teddy aside and told him, pretty much take your head out of the hole and figure out what's going on because what you're doing is wrong. And so now Teddy's done the same thing to Frankie and Frankie has not been as open as Teddy was. And now he's not speaking to him. And I think it's better like to have an older boy say to a younger one, but a younger one saying to an older one, that's mm, that could be. But it shouldn't mean anything when it's your friend. Right. I know, I know it's a double standard, but you know, I yeah. just had, my best friend just kind of did one of those to me where she was like, why are you still dwelling on something from high school? Which was, uh, you know, <laughs> getting longer and longer and longer ago with each passing day. But it's one of those things that as soon as she said it, it was kind of like, huh, why am I still dwelling on that? And we sat and talked about it. And I just think it has to be at a time when you want to deal with something and when you want to hear something. And obviously Frankie just doesn't want to hear. Right. He might feel that, yeah, he's being foolish and not smart about this whole thing, but he's too far gone into it 
to listen to that angel on his shoulder. So hearing it from Teddy, just it's not the right time. Right. Yep. You can tell people something until they're blue in the face, until they make the choice that they're ready for it. Then, yeah. Very, very true. So Maurice and Corky and Donzo kind of take Teddy off down towards Hagrid's. Does anybody think she names her characters so funny? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, they do have their own sort of charm. And and in Donzo's case, otherwise his name would be Donald Duke. So he sort of goes by a nickname. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to spoiler. Not to spoil, but... But it's something that's completely innocuous. It's actually in her story that's published about Albus's first year. She has one of those. It's it's written in a Hardy Boys kind of a campy sort of a mystery that they have to solve. But the timing of everything, everyone is named Harry, Ron, or Hermione. <laughs> so you think these names are bad? <laughs> like they have a huge class with each house has like three Harrys, two Rons, and five Hermiones. It's really amazing. <laughs> Wow. I think that made me crack up. So I'll take a Maurice and a Donzo and a Corky over so every time I Harry T and, and Harry P. Hold on. <laughs> the thing that makes me laugh, I hear Donzo, and I instantly want to think Gonzo. Then yeah, that too. Blue. The Muppet. The oh, Muppet. Did anyone yeah. see the new Muppet? The Swedish chef has a, yeah. a new Muppet. Muppet. Oh, yes, it's yeah. great. Good Star Trek one, just to, you know, to get the Star Trek. Muppet Star Trek, yeah. It has um, David, Captain Picard, and... You have to link. Worf. Captain, I may have asked you this before, but why do we always keep traveling from planet to planet? Captain? Captain? Because we love surprises! Surprise! Surprise! Didn't I? I think we've just landed again, Captain. But they've gone down to feed Buckbeak. Well, Taggart's feeding Buckbeak, and Maurice wants to know if he can try it. And they think it's really cool. And they want to know when they get to study Buckbeak. Taggart says, mm-hmm. no, he's a pet. Yeah, can't do that anymore. That's funny. And, of course, Honoria has to get in on things because she believes everything Malfoy said. Apparently she did hear directly from Mr. Malfoy. I don't know if that... I suppose that would probably mean Draco mm, in this probably. case. Yeah, I know. Every time I hear Mr. Malfoy, I automatically think of Draco's dad. Oh, my God, I Lucius. can't remember what his name is. Lucius. Yeah, thank you. Lucky. <laughs> yes, well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and she also has an idea... She wants to start a school paper because she wants to be mini Rita, basically. Mm-hmm. Somebody say Harry Potter, Rita Skinner, the 
And it's called The Weekly Charmer. Yes. I guess she's reviving one that existed before, but uh, mm-hmm. she has her own spin that she wants to put on things. Right. I like Hagrid's response to it. She says, she's talking to Professor Slyghorn about sponsoring it as soon as she gets back from detention. He says, you'll do it sooner if you actually do your detention. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I'm supposed to do my detention? That's no fun. And Maurice is like, couldn't she have ended up in Ravenclaw? No, we don't want her. <laughs> I forget how big the whole class, anyhow. There's only like 16 kids in there or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a 15. tiny class this year. Because yeah. Teddy's the only Gryffindor, and then I can't remember what the numbers were they said for the others, but there weren't very many of them either. Yeah, it's a No, I, I don't remember either. Well, they also said that the Gryffindors tended to take a hit because mm-hmm. they were the first to fight. Mm-hmm. But they're also, I think, the first to populate. Papa Chicka Bow Wow. As well, so. Oh, you never know. Yep. I love the Weasleys, but, you know. <laughs> well, the Weasleys are sort of a special case. <laughs> True. Yeah. Oh, hurry, kids! We're gonna miss the train! Come on, Weasleys! Bill! Yo, yo, Ma. Percy! Hello, Mother. Fred and George! At dinner time, Teddy sees that Frankie has left a little early and headed for the library. So he excuses himself and goes and tries to talk to him. And by the time he gets there, Frankie's walled himself behind three stacks of books. And Teddy just sits down and starts kind of randomly looking through some. And Frankie says, you're not helping. And he says, I'm trying to. And Frankie's like, no, you're not. I should have known when you didn't find anything. You always find something. Clever Teddy Lupin. So he's saying, you know, you just thought you'd stall me. Mm-hmm. He's really not in a good mood. No, I think he's in sort. I mean, Teddy says that that's mental. Freddie is in a very sort of hysterical state. Mm-hmm. He, he's in a paranoid, hysterical sort of a an atmosphere he's put himself in. That if you're not with me, you're against me, and since you're against me, you're not. You know, he just keeps following down this crazy, logical Fire. to him, but very illogical path of thinking, and he's not stepping away from it to maybe even see that he might have an answer already. But he's so deep in it that he just keeps looking and looking and looking. Well, I mean, this sounds awful to say, but I'm one of them. He's acting like a girl. Well, that too. <laughs> An emotional girl. <laughs> that too. <laughs> because I know I can be, I can get like hysterical. I have make no freaking sense whatsoever. <laughs> but I'll still keep going in that little spiral until pretty much someone tells me to it's kind of like a moonstruck moment and just smacking across my head and go, snap out of it. And you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So he got into this because he's trying to help his parents because he's afraid that his parents are going to split up or whatever because of what's happening. Because his mom's trying so hard to help Sanjeev. Mm-hmm. And, and now he's trying just as hard as she is. And right. Getting and into the just, same trouble. Yeah, he's in exactly the same kind of place. And we find out that Part of his problem is that he's just got a letter from his sister and that she's visiting her aunt. And Teddy says, well, maybe she's, you know, having a treat. She gets to ride horses and all that stuff. And Frankie's like, yeah, 
Or maybe mom and dad just didn't want to have her there for another fight. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do you say his name? Sanjeev? Sanjeev? Sanjeev, yeah. Okay, because my text reader says something else. Always. So, okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Teddy sort of manages to patch things up a little bit anyway, and Frankie promises to tell the rest of the Hufflepuffs that things are all right, so they'll start looking at him again. <laughs> Hopefully that'll work. Yeah, he said that they were a little bit better, but there was still a certain weariness, and Teddy just wanted to shake them. <laughs> but he does at least get him to study for his actual homework some instead of concentrating solely on this thing. Mm-hmm. He gets a letter from... Well, basically, James and Harry. And James has written him another story. And he responds to Harry's letter saying, you know, I'm having a little trouble with Frankie. It's just a little fight, but I'm, you know, a little concerned. And I don't suppose you know of a good way to fix things. Mm -hmm. It takes him half an hour to figure out how to phrase everything for the three sentences. Right, because he doesn't want to be too much of a tattletale. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I just like it. Suddenly, I don't have a lot of friends in Hufflepuff. That's my mom's house. Yeah, it's a little more of an injury that way. They go back the next day, and they're in the library again, because that's pretty much where Frankie lives. And Teddy has this great thought. Have you talked to any of the ghosts? And Frankie's like, oh, wow, that's brilliant. Let's go find the friar. So they head off, yeah, because he likes them. And Brother Francis. I love Brother Francis and Frankie together. I think that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, well, in the previous book, they tell you why you like him. I mean, yeah, because he's named after him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Frankie's actual name is Francis. Yeah, and according to this, we find out that he was apparently strangled, the fat friar, with mm, his with his rosary, rosary beads. Yeah, what an awful way to die. Ugh. Yeah. So Frankie asks him about the demented souls, and while their bodies are alive, does he know where the souls might be, and are they like ghosts? And the friar says, you know, no one has ever come back as a ghost that has received the kiss, and someone surely would have, so they can't be ghosts. Mm-hmm. And he thinks they can't have just gone on either, because surely some of them would have been the sort to come back as a ghost, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. So something different has happened to them. Yeah. And Frankie tells about his idea that he's trying to reconnect the soul with the body. And he's told that once the soul leaves, you can't return it to the body. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want to hear that, so he's going to keep looking anyway. Yeah, he turns around and leaves. And he's like, okay, so if I can just find wherever it is they're being imprisoned, and the fire is like, that's not exactly what I said. Mm-hmm. But there you go. Yeah, he's still going to twist anything that he hears to what he wants, so he can keep on searching. He's almost fanatical about this in a polar opposite that Tom Riddle was about a horcrux. Mm -hmm. It's all about souls. It's all about some form of immortality, whereas Frankie is paving his way to hell with good intentions (laughs) on this endeavor. We know what Tom did, so... Yeah, he's totally missing the point that the friar was trying to give. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we know that, and I'm going to mess this up, Honoria? On, Honoria. See, she's Honoria. That sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we still don't really know smell. how exactly. That's yeah, one yeah. of our questions. Honoria. Mm-hmm. Something like that. That sounds good, <laughs> too. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it sounds like Honoria. <laughs> <laughs> I usually say Honoria, but I have no idea whether I'm right. So speaking of questions, like, have we gotten word back from Fernwithy? Like, can we interview her or? 
Yeah, can I gush like a little schoolgirl? I know, I want to too. <laughs> I yeah. Let me find it. Yes, we have something back from her, but I can't remember what she said. She's still in the fandom. I'm reading year seven. I just read a chapter this morning, so Is that on the sugar crop? No, it has her own live journal. It's up there. She has years three, five, and we're in progress of seven. And then that one that I, it's like the cauldron conundrum. That one's about Albus, which would technically be Teddy year nine, if you follow the the scheme of things. Okay. So, yeah, there's a whole world out there that I took a week and a half, maybe, of constant reading. We'll get you a link in just a second. So I wrote to her and told her kind of what we were. And she wrote, wow, I don't think I've ever been podcasted before. I'd love to hear it. I don't know what sort of comments you'd be interested in. I hope the story stands on its own, but let me know if there's anything you'd like me to comment on. Yeah, how to pronounce all these names. (laughs) I can certainly write back to her, and not at the moment, because then I get distracted. Mm -hmm. The shiny. (laughs) Give us a vocabulary guide. (laughs) If she'd like to be interviewed. Yeah, that would be fun. That'd be neat. I would drop everything. I would get a babysitter. <laughs> okay. We have fangirls that want to gush all over you. Would you like? Maybe we should send her a few of the uh, podcasts no. first and then see if she wants to talk to us. I have been eagerly tempted, very tempted to create just a live journal account so I could properly, like, I've made some comments, but they're always anonymous. Like, I put my little Oliver's gal down at the bottom, but I, I feel, you know... I want to be a fangirl, and I want to be... Anonymous. Yeah. I I think I have some comments on the Sugar Quill one. Mm-hmm. And I go as Miss Lupin. Mm-hmm. You go as Emma Lupin, do you? Yes, Emma Lupin. <laughs> she is not a subsidiary of Microsoft. I know. <laughs> but Sue thinks I am for some reason. Yeah. Sue got the whole house to be like that, because for a while I thought it was Emma Lupin as well. Mm-hmm. Until I met you, and then I know better. Yeah, thank you. Ms. Lupin. Hmm, my door is mysteriously opening itself. Ooh, fun. It's probably because I, I opened I the window. Heard <laughs> You're being visited by Nick. Mm-hmm. Hello! It yes, even did the creepy creeping thing. It did do the creepy creepy thing. It was, it was great. <laughs> I wondered if you guys would pick that up. Mm-hmm. We're way on course. Alright, moving on. Teddy's having an awkward few days. He's found some more memories about his mom, so he's trying to be slow and methodical like the way she was cleaning up the Shrieking Shack. And also, Teddy is incredulous that a whole bunch of people are apparently voluntarily signing up to be on the newspaper with Honoria. Because they want to just keep an eye on her, but he still can't figure it out. And Ruthus is like, I thought it'd be a really good idea to be there so that we can vote her down if it gets really bad. And so several of them volunteered to go, but Teddy says he can't because he's got other things he's got to do, and so does Frankie. So those two won't be doing it. Yeah. I just like their little back and forth. Like, at a newspaper? With Honoria? Deliberately? (laughs) (laughs) Well, she does Mm -hmm. seem the sort. It might be better not to leave to her own devices. She's a bit of a Skeeter fan. And he's still sort of at odds with Frankie. Not quite as bad, but, you know, it still hasn't gotten very good. They're in the awkward moment kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the bit 
Sorry, I'm jumping back again. But apparently, Rita has written more of her exposés. There was yeah. the yes. Dumbledore one that we heard about in Deathly Hallows, and then she's done Rufus Scrimgeour, Drunken Disgrace, and various other ones in the series. Yeah, it's funny. She's insinuating things about... She's very interested in how much he drank and the fact that he'd never married and listed a whole bunch of his friends, and Teddy wasn't entirely sure what the connection was supposed to be. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Teddy. You're only he 11. about an ex or named Dollish, which made Uncle Harry laugh very bitterly. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Definitely an unbiased source there. Oh, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. That one's always unbiased. Mm-hmm. So he's working on his homework, and he's got a letter from Victoire, and he happens to glance at the map and finds out that Reggie's in the library, and Filch has started his night patrol, and he's got to go down and save him. So he sneaks out. There's only a couple people down in the common room, and they're snogging. They'll never see him. Mm-hmm. And heads down to the library, sneaks in, and actually, Scarecrow. yeah, scares I like I, I like how he morphs himself to be gray. <laughs> yeah, it's a color of the wall. You know, Frankie tries to put the books away, and he says, "We can hide behind the desk." And Teddy's like, "Just leave him. Let's go." And the doorknob rattles, and we have Filch and the kitten. Is this yes. Mister Norris? I don't know. I don't. Do we have a name for Filch's new kitten? I He's, thought it said something about Mister Norris. It's Norris the second or third or something. Yeah. So. Which I actually hadn't noticed reading through it the first time, but that kind of makes sense. It's been a few years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm playing with a kitten right now. Are you? Yeah. Always fun. Mine fell in the pond the other day. He was not happy. Oh, oh He won't go back to the pond now. He said no more. So Frankie wants to know how Teddy knew where he was, how he found him. So Teddy shows him the Marauder's Map. The Marauder's Map. The yeah, he decides to reveal that because he had told him before that there was a secret, but he just didn't tell them what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This time he decides to show it to him. Yeah, well, they tell each other so. Yeah, kind of makes them a little more bonding. The awkwardness goes away. Just a little. Just a little. And we get to move on. Yep. Chapter 17 is called Noble and Most Ancient, which pretty much gives away that there's going to be something to do with the House of Black in this chapter. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know that, then you've been living under a rock, and why are you listening to Harry Potter? You should know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> You're don't so read the freaking book. Listeners, Trisha. <laughs> We've missed you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am the outspoken Hufflepuff. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? And Teddy's been experimenting with his charms. He cast a thing on the window so that Checkmate can't get out, climb out accidentally. But some owls fly in with his birthday presents and then they can't get out either. And there's cat and versus checkmate. owl fight. And yeah, and the first owl is Pigwidge, and so, you know, Checkmate could take him out pretty easy. <laughs> if he stood still. Yeah, that's true. True. So, Although I guess he's a little older now, so he might, you never know. Maybe slowing down a little. So of course, no, not Rondal. Never. <laughs> <laughs> this is off-tangent, but the owl reminds me, or I, I guess I should say this other way. The man that's in charge of the house painters that are working on our house, it reminds me of the owl. He's just like, busy, busy, going, 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 going. He says, yeah, the people in my office are always saying, don't you need to go to the field? Can't you leave? 
because he's just like all over the place. And they used the wrong paint and it looks really bad. So we like called him and said, you have to come out here. So he had to rush out from Portland and all this stuff. You know, the guys were supposed to leave at 3.30 or quarter to four. and They didn't get out of here until right before I podcasted. So six o'clock, two hours late. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Hopefully they're coming back tomorrow because all the windows in my house are taped. We can't see out of anything. It's very dark and eerie over there. Mm-hmm. I know. Mom said, it's going to be fun tonight because there's paper and it's blowing in the wind and crinkling. Yeah. Mom won't sleep. I'll mm. be fine over at my place, but Mom won't sleep. To find a way to put it up again for Halloween or something. Can I say, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I'm totally interjecting because I am frustrated. So I just joined LiveJournal to create an account. Mm-hmm. Someone already has Oliver's gal. Aww. Oh, has been Oliver's gal for that a very You're the original time. Oliver's gal. Well, her live journal's from 05, but I know I was on sites back then, at least on MuggleNet. So I'm just kind of frustrated because I've been, I've been actively using Oliver's gal longer than she has, and it's not fair. Oh, so, it's not. And I shouldn't complain mm-hmm. and bitch and moan. It's just a name. But darn it! So Teddy sorts out the argument with the owls by giving checkmate treats and charming her favorite mouse to run around under the bed. So she's down there chasing it, and he gets the owl's treats and takes their packages and releases the charm so they can go out and he's mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. The first time I was reading this, I'd missed the important bit of the first sentence, so I didn't know it was his birthday. I'm like, why is he getting all these packages from people? And then it goes on and mentions birthday again. I'm like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, Ron has given him, oh, Ron, Hermione, Rose, and Hugo mm-hmm. together have given him a book. useless shape-changing for the very board. Yes, that's From fine. Cushioned Pebbles. Yep, Transfiguration deals. What you would want Cushioned Pebbles for, I don't know, but I guess that's why it's useless. Well, that way you can throw them at people and not really hurt them. It's true. That's such a Hufflepuff thing to do. <laughs> and then Uncle Harry has sent a letter about his father, which was cool. And okay, one thing I don't get is he sent him muggled dice with a bag to carry them in. What is he doing? He's playing craps or something? No, because he's muggles playing and minions. Muggles and minions. Oh, it's the I still, magical I'm version still not... of Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, that's what I thought, but I never played Dungeons and Dragons. So when they play this game, Neither it kind of like goes but... over my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Quidditch for out. some people. Yep. Yeah. Well, it literally goes or... over people's heads. Or hockey for some people, mm-hmm. while we just go off and tangent. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we discussed that in a few of the earlier podcasts on this, is that Muggles and Minions is a takeoff on Dungeons and Dragons, where you are a Muggle University student who must brave the dangers of the subway tunnel, and yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Those subway tunnels, man. They're bad. So Harry's sending several things that go with the Muggles and Minions thing, and George has decided to run a line of it in the shop, and so now they're offering Teddy a job as well. When he was there for holidays, he introduced it to several of them, and Arthur was absolutely enthralled by it, of course, and uh, insisted on learning everything. (laughs) And then he goes down to breakfast, and he gets a box from Bill and Fleur and the family with French chocolates and a guide to fighting minor dark creatures, in case of Mm -hmm. the red caps again, and seashells, which I thought was cute, that the kids had found. And And then... (laughs) Molly and Arthur have sent him, well, Molly, really, mm. a box with enough biscuits to feed the Quidditch team yes. for the afternoon. And 
Ruthless came down and asked him if it was his birthday, and then wishes him a happy one. Yep. And then he gets a package from Granny. And this is a really cool present. The first thing he gets is, it says, open this one first, it's the real birthday present. And he starts to try to open it, and it won't open. So he gets the card, and he opens the card. He has to open the card first. Yep. And she writes and says, sorry to use magic to keep you from opening your present, but you're not going to understand it. And she tells him how much she misses him. And We learn that they always send letters when somebody gets hurt. That makes me wonder what went on with the Dursleys, but, you know. So she knew that he'd been attacked by Redcaps, but he was fine and told her some of what happened. And she was going to send a nasty letter because he'd been out when he wasn't supposed to and got in trouble with Redcaps. And then Harry told her he was there to find his dad's wedding ring. So she has sent him a chain that used to belong to his grandfather so that he can keep the ring around his neck. Not on the little string. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she's always felt bad that he never was able to get the ring because she knew how hard Remus had worked on it. So mm-hmm. that's cool. <laughs> I like Ruthless's reaction because he takes the ring off the string that he's using and puts it on the chain. And she says, hmm, very Tolkien fashion statement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he opens the next one and it's a book. And he thinks it's a photo album until he really starts paying attention to it. And it's the noble and most ancient house, the heroes and villains of the fallen house of black and Andromeda black tonks has written it. So that's really cool. And I like that she's dedicated it to him. And then she's added a little PS and it says, I hope that you won't bring up page 517 the next time we have an argument. <laughs> so, so of course he immediately turns to 517. Yep. It's just and it's, it's just cute. Andromeda in her hippie phase. Yes. He could read lips well enough to know she wasn't saying good morning, Mr. Crouch. <laughs> As she teaches him sign language. <clears throat> yep. And Ruthless wants to know what it is, and Teddy just thinks it's great, and slides it over to her, and she's interested for a few minutes, but not very much. Yeah. I, I like that Sirius's mother is referred to as Mad Auntie Bugger. Yes. Interesting shortening of Walburga, but then I don't know what exactly you would use for that. So That's true. Mod anti. I like that one. He's decided he's just going to kind of look through it, and he's gotten totally engrossed in it. And all of a sudden... Tell the truth, I kind of wish now she would write a book of this. Yeah, I know it would be really interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're listening, we'd read it. <laughs> <laughs> Spin-offs. There you go. And everybody's left. He's the last one at the table. And Priya Till comes in and says, hey, let's, you know, come watch us pound the tar out of Ravenclaw. And he's like, okay, let me put my things away. And she's, hurry up. And he sends everything but the book. And he's only going to look at the book during down moments. And then he spends the entire game reading it, basically. Off in the corner. Yeah, he wouldn't even know they'd won if Ruthless hadn't dragged him up to stand up. I think it was Ruthless. Yeah. I love her. She's my favorite. She makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. And apparently the blacks have a history of having shape changers in it, yes. which is interesting. It is interesting. Kind they're also like slightly less unmuggled than they would like to think. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, everybody's interested in it when it hits the bookstores. So, of course, the Weekly Charmer needs to run a article about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a two-page long paper. That's pretty good. And I love that it appeared with breakfast Wednesday morning. So everybody got a copy next to their plate. Yeah. 
And she writes an introduction, and Maurice talks about the Quidditch game, and Fifth uh, Year Slytherin rants about the owls. Mm-hmm. And Gregory Phillips has a editorial piece of whitewashing the blacks, of course. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> and it would be Jeffrey, of course. It would be. It's one of the things they said earlier. You know, we should have put them in the same house and lock them in a room and see how long it takes them to tear each other <laughs> they apart. Would have each other. <laughs> then we wouldn't have to deal with either one of them. It would be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And Jeffrey gets in trouble again in History of Magic, even though he tries to get out of it by tying the subjects together. Because after all, the blacks do have a vault at Gringotts. Mm. <laughs> yes, which has a whole lot to do with Goblin Wars. Mm-hmm. Well, it has to do with goblins, but yeah, I'm not buying this. And apparently neither did Benz, who gave him detention, I'm sure. <laughs> yep. so. I, don't, I, think, I don't even know... I think this is like the true test of Biz's afterlife is Jeffrey Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> he yep. probably has paid no attention to the students who have come and gone except for this one, who just won't shut up. Yeah. You just can't get rid of him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even when he's finally gone back to his favorite subject, of course. He's gone through the required curriculum, so now he gets to teach Goblin Wars again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I still think he, he must have done his wizard version of a thesis on the Goblin Wars or something. Probably. <laughs> must have, yes. And there's actually a really cute bit about Bins in the uh, fifth year. Mm-hmm. So there's a little teaser if yeah. anybody wants to read ahead. Yeah, I'll have to get into the other ones. And they do, they talk about Jeffrey in this seventh year fic, and you don't necessarily like him, but you kind of start to understand him. You start to understand some background of where he might have come from, which I think it's spec. I don't remember if it was more speculation in in the comment threads or if it was actually in there, but it was kind of one of those things that they said. And I really don't think I'm spoiling it because I think it was a comment was that he's probably from a family that was very left wing, and I'm not saying like social, economical, whatever. No, I'm saying, like, radically left-wing, and that anything that was the norm was scandalized. And probably they suggested the way his parents were that, you know, reading a child's storybook about Cinderella and Snow White, okay, or Robin Hood or whatever, was frowned upon, and he got the social, moral, economical lesson about why that was wrong and blah, 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 blah. So he takes comfort in the extreme opposite of normal childhood development or or whatever. And so he's now taking that into here is that he so dislikes the blood society that grand everyone does, but he feels the need to remind everyone and keep everyone so riled up about what happened because the muggle society where he is from is so much better. And he keeps reformatting things to be the extreme opposite of what the norm is Mm -hmm. just to be, just to keep that sense of hostility there. And it will probably come out in the seventh story, but just understanding that and reading those comments of what people think about him and, like, where his parents from really explains a lot right now at 11. So it's just something you can't break when your parents are forcing you to be a radical thinker. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, she's good at having mostly well-rounded characters. Mm-hmm. Can't fit them all in with the first year, I don't suppose. No. It's also neat that one of the other Muggle-born Hufflepuffs apparently might be descended from the Blacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, it's, you know, six degrees of separation, but he's trying really hard. To... The last name was Black, and, you know, it, it's not as common as, say, Smith. 
<laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Then we kind of jump down a little bit, and they're having another Muggles and Minions game. And Frankie says, you know, this is going to be my last one. Unless somebody else wants to take it over, it's going to be everybody's last one. And Tinny says, I'm already all over it. So Tinny is the peon cast of Muggles and Minions. Yes. (laughs) She is. (laughs) She's already had to substitute a couple times, and so she's picking it up to go on. He's decided he's going out in style. They're starting out at uni. And mm-hmm. they start and they're all, they gather up at a pub, and <laughs> Ruth keeps having horrible rolls, so she has to get to the pub by climbing out through the sewer and then can't manage to get a shower. And only Roger rolled low enough to have to sit next to her. And then we find out that he's channeling Jen. Yes. The Channel Islands have a super volcano that's going to explode and kill half Britain. And, yeah. Yes. Just like Yellowstone. It's just like Yellowstone. It is. It is. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, he's comparing to Krakatoa. Yeah, well, he doesn't quite know us yet. I went to Yellowstone for 10 days. Has anybody been there to Yellowstone? No. I've seen no pictures. One? Okay, well, basically what Yellowstone is, this will help explain it. 640,000 years ago... The part of half, like the that, like third of America, blew up, like <laughs> in this big volcanic eruption. And Yellowstone is, it's I can't remember how many millions of acres, like eighty-eight millions of acres or whatever, is the crater of that volcano. Okay, so now that y'all all know this, so like all over the park, all that you're driving, like the the volcano could erupt at any moment, and like. People in Mexico would die. So, I want so we to apologize were there. to our listeners in the, in the on the west coast of North America who just wet themselves listening to Jen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, it's it's not something that I'm just making up. So, Wait, so anyway. I, I, just, I just want to bring this up. So, the Mexicans will be in trouble <laughs> considering that Yellowstone is a much northern part of the United States. The Canadians, they're fine. <laughs> Yeah, obviously Canada won't exist anymore. Like, I was just telling you, like, how far the explosion... Would you just let me explain? Okay. I'm so, anyway. This is what I just heard for the last few minutes. 640 million years ago, part of America blew up, and it could happen again at any time. Can I tell my funny story about a grizzly bear? Well, I'm getting there. I'm, it all is relevant. Okay. Not only entertaining, but educational as well. So I I learned all these interesting and frightening things and like the um they have you know little museums here and there and, and the places where you can pee that's actually a toilet that flushes instead of like a hole down the mountain which is awful I can't even tell you the experience so we go in to use the, the running water toilet and like there are these videos and they show like you know the geysers going off and like. The lava moving under the park and, like, all the scientists, like, how they're curing cancer with, like, the amoebas that are found in the bacteria that grows in boiling water stuff. Like, all of this really interesting. Why are you laughing? <laughs> anyway, it's really neat. Wait, no, no, no. Wait, didn't you say you had to go to the bathroom and then you're saying there's videos in the bathroom? You might want to clarify that because it made it sound like there was like running videos of historical information 
in the bathroom stalls. Jen's no. trying to pee while she's watching lava move under you. <laughs> no. No, no. No, there are... And the park has it's a national forest. It's like the oldest and first national park in America or whatever. But it doesn't have running water anywhere. All the toilets are, are unisex. And you go in and they're literally holes down the mountain. And, like, we wore, like, those breathing masks in there. And it still didn't help. So, anyway, so the museum, like, there's, like, four or five little stops that you make. And in the museum, there's running water. And that's why you go in and you go there. But there, there's, like, auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch. Not while on the toilet. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> All we need now yeah. is a pair. And Bernice thinks it's weird because she's always all about going after the thieves and muggers and such. And so far, it's just a natural disaster. Right. But they still have to get people out and rescue property and all of that. Teddy finally gets to fly his plane. Yay! Wings gets to fly. And then they're heading off to the kitchens to do the snack run. Mm-hmm. And Frankie comes with them so they can have a bit of a conversation. Yeah. And we find out that Frankie's been looking at Filch's files, and he's decided that Sanjeev did get caught in the forest a lot, according to the files, so maybe there is something magical there. And he's going to go out and look around some more. And Teddy's like, stop it! No more! And Frankie looks at him like he's been slapped. And he just doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find him. You know, like we talked about. Or was that just an act for stupid Frankie again? And Teddy's like, I never said you were stupid. How come everybody keeps saying that? I never said that. But you're kind of being stupid now. <laughs> you know? So. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really go very well. No, not at all. Because Frankie is not pleased, and he brings up the stuff that people have been teasing him about from Granny's book. So Teddy just shoves Frankie away and storms off. And, of course, he has to be storming off across from Honoria, who's just going towards the dungeons, just came out of the kitchen or something. Yeah, the kitchens are not a very well-kept secret. Apparently not. not. Everybody seems to know where they are. So, Chapter 18. The Charmer. Yes, more to do with the paper. And so Teddy's tracking everybody on the map, and Ruth finally comes up to talk to him. And she says, okay, are you going to explain what's going on, or am I going to have to start hurting you? (laughs) (laughs) And he decides to tell her. Yeah. Good decision. Smart kid. (laughs) In in very boy description, he's an idiot. I caught him out on it. I put it up with the last time, but this time it's not my fault. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. three words, that's it. At least there was Mm -hmm. no grunting. Very succinct. That's it. Yep. Yes. And the Hufflepuffs aren't really mad at him this time, but they're still sort of closing ranks. Yeah, because that's what Hufflepuffs do. We close ranks. <laughs> I like... She tries to change the subject and talks about the Muggles and Minions game a little bit. He doesn't care. He <laughs> says, eh, but I'm tired of all this, all the stupid hero stuff. And she's like, well, it is kind of risky to sit around and roll dice, but, you know, you have to call on that Gryffindor spirit to get through it. <laughs> That's why we put you in Gryffindor. That's why they had to. Yeah. So she heads off to go to the newspaper. Yeah. And he's being pissy. Yeah. The newspaper was mean to him and then all this Frankie. So he's not in a great mood. But doesn't like the newspaper. And she says, well, at least, you know, she says, I'll see you at dinner. And he says, I'm not hungry. She says, well, at least feed your cat. And Teddy looks down at Checkmate, who's like, feed me. <laughs> it's like, how dare you? 
I can kind of see from a Shrek Puss in Boots with the little bowl with the big eyes and the yeah. <laughs> holding yeah. the hat. Yeah. I think she's more indignant than anything, though. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I am your cat. I warrant feeding. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets the food out and he's like, Yeah, well, I probably shouldn't have snapped at Rufus. Any ideas? And she ignores him and mm-hmm. continues eating. <laughs> Checkmate had no thoughts on the matter, or if she did, she didn't share them. And, you know, there's times where this cat goes above and beyond, and you really think she knows more than she lets on, so she must have just decided not to share them this time. Mm-hmm. Teddy was going to go back on with the ring to sort of calm down a little bit, but it's still too soon since the last time he's done something with it, so can't do that. And he ignores Checkmate long enough again that she claws him. Mm-hmm. And he thinks about just kind of flicking her off his foot, and then he realizes that that wouldn't mean, and he's like, I won't ever kick you. I'm sorry I thought about it. I won't do it. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, come here. I'm so sorry. Come here. <laughs> I just kicked my dog in the head. Yeah. He checks out the map. He sees that Roberts is there with Hagrid and Professor Longbottom and a dot that he doesn't know named Vivian Waters. So he decides he's going to go down and see what's going on down there. Yeah, he's looking for a distraction. Mm-hmm. And he's not sure if it's the thing you do. And he's like, ah, well, Uncle Harry visited Hagrid all the time. And yeah, so Why he decides. He? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he heads down, and Vivian's seen him coming. She apparently has either inherited Moody's eye or has a similar one. Yeah, I, think it's I suspect similar. that's something else that will show up in the previous two stories. I don't know. Yeah, Vivian is a little girl that Remus saved in the story. Okay. And her face was mangled, but she didn't have an eye, so that's something new. It took me a little while to figure out who she was, because she was just a little tiny girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. And hmm. she was magical. She was part of Greyback's, um, pack. yeah, pack. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And he's been thinking about where he knows the name from. And by the time he's come up to them, he's realized this, that this was a girl that Rima saved. And he's like, you knew my parents. And Neville's like, that's an interesting thing to know, having not been introduced to anyone properly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's like, um, <clears throat> oh, and- Neville's like, it must have been the eye. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You must have heard about her with her magical eye. Once he gets down there, he starts feeling really awkward. And he's like, uh, could I help with something, feed something, do something? Rock cake, anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Frankie has sent Vivian a letter because she's written articles about the forest. And yeah, Teddy is just like, oh, no, now he's bothering more people. Yeah, I think it- what he... I was, I didn't know for sure when I was speculating. I skipped a couple of chapters, so excuse me if I'm wrong. But, um, in the story that Vivian's originally in, she goes into a place within the hip forest. I can't remember what it's named, but it's like another dimension. Mm-hmm. And she stays there for a little bit. And I think that's what, um, Frankie's trying to find. And that's what I was thinking that he was trying to find, but Lupin found something else. I don't think Frankie knows about that, and I don't think that that's particularly what he's looking for. He's just looking for any information on a place where souls might congregate. Yeah, that was the only thing I was thinking of, is like he must have heard something from his mom about the souls congregating, about at least this this magical different dimension kind of thing. 
That could be. I think he still thinks it's in the special ivy-like plant that they found. So, but maybe that's where the sprite, I think that's what it was. It was a water sprite? It was something. It was, I don't know why, it reminded me very much of the King Arthur, the Water Queen or something like that, mm-hmm. where the sword was in, um, Excalibur was in the water or something like that. Right. Am I getting that? Am I yes. getting that uh, yeah. King Arthur thing right? Okay. I think so. So he's sort of starting to rethink now. Okay, well, the adults are taking Frankie seriously. But he still won't share any information with them, even though they're asking to know what Frankie's really after. And he just continues to feel really awkward and pretty much just leaves. (laughs) I should go. Dinner. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. So they let him know to tell Frankie that they're working on what he's asked them and they don't quite know what to look for, but they're on it. Yep. Yep. We're going to figure this out. He looks over at dinner time and sees that Frankie is having a conversation with Honoria, who is taking notes with an acid green quill. Mm. Very Rita Skeeter. That Rita, she's always causing trouble. Somebody say Harry Potter, Rita Skeeter here with a daily coffee. Is Rita her, like, aunt or something? Godmother. Yeah, something like that. I know she idolizes her. She's a friend of the family at the least. Mm-hmm. I guess that could be something we ask if we remember to do so. Um, it's in the future stories. Like she says, my godmother, Rita. So, um, okay. And there's a reason for it, but that's like a part of the story. Alrighty. Good to know. So Teddy heads over to the girl's staircase and sends somebody up to get ruthless because he is worried now. Since... Yeah. He's heard stories about Rita. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he has. And he takes her, he says, come on, we got to go for a walk. I want to talk to you. And, of course, everybody thinks that he's going to ask her out or whatever. I love her. You're not getting googly-eyed on me, are you, Lupin? (laughs) uh, Huh? What? What? Hmm? Never 11-year-old response. Uh, Don't you still have cooties? Wait, I think you do. (laughs) He tells her what he's just seen and that he's worried. And she said, well, no, she was, she said she was interviewing somebody, but it's no big deal. And it's like, well, yeah, she's interviewing Frankie. Frankie? Wait, our, our Frankie? Hufflepuff Frankie? I'm pretty sure about this. Yeah. She heard me say something nasty. And Ruth is just like, oh, nah, don't worry about it. Slughorn won't ever let her run anything like that. But we need to remember she's taking lessons from Rita. Yeah. So... Then she's got to, of course, curse somebody who giggles at him because they think they're out there as a couple. And mm-hmm. she's very hot-headed, is our Ruth. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she's I don't know why, but she kind of reminds me of, like, a younger Jenny, if Jenny had, like, more self-esteem. I think you're right. I think that's a very valid estimate of Ruth. Someone doesn't like Scott. <laughs> Your ghost yeah, just slammed ghost the door. <laughs> left, apparently. <laughs> And left the building. Yeah, which is good because, you know, and this Ruthless is going to visit Myrtle, so. Yeah, maybe that's probably it was, what it is. It was Myrtle that just left. She's going to go meet Ruth. <laughs> I'd like putting it in the water if I were you. Myrtle. Oh, hello, Harry. Oh, long time. No, see? Anyway, Teddy decides he's going to try again to patch things up with Frankie. And he talks about Vivian Waters, and he saw him talking to Honoria 
and he's worried, and Frankie says, yeah, she just turned about the forest, and she's actually interested in the history, and she asked me all these things. And Teddy's like, well, no, she's going to do something sneaky. It's an Oreo, but Frankie doesn't believe him. I love this on what? Someone didn't like you right away, so she must be evil? Yeah. <laughs> she she, it. she got to tell you, as opposed to what you're doing just now? Because hmm. he hasn't been telling everybody about all the stuff that she's said or done to him, so now he has no examples to back him up. Sometimes it's good to be a tattletale, and sometimes it's not. Yeah. And he says, well, don't worry about it. I didn't say anything about Sanjeev or souls or any of that. So. Yeah, and Teddy says, yeah, but she's sneaky. She can find this stuff out. He says, oh, don't worry about it. And Robards is apparently worried about him because he's noticed that his hair is all brown. He doesn't have his little Gryffindor speech in it. Mm-hmm. And he knows what that meant when Tonks was doing that. So. Right. And he's like, you're too young to be in love. Yeah. Must be something else. It's a friend problem. Yeah. yeah. And Teddy puts the stripe back on just to placate him, but it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. And then it starts changing itself back right away. So. Yeah. And then we find out that all of his worrying was for a good reason. Because mm-hmm. Ruth and the rest have looked over everything that she was going to put in, and it seems to be okay. It was just some boring thing. And she puts in a completely different article. Right. Dun, dun, dun. Sorry. Sneaky. Sneaky she is. Well, she is a Slytherin, and they are ambitious. And yes. they not mm-hmm. to be sneaky. It's just not always a healthy thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, she mentions that Teddy called Frankie crazy. Yeah. And all the Hufflepuffs are glaring at him again. I have like, to, like, I can't win for losing. No. I have to, like, that she quantifies Teddy as godson of Harry Potter. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> Such a Rita thing. Godson of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. And she I did credibility. find out about Sanjeev. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's dug into this. Yeah. And I like the next part. Teddy was staring at the stunfounded when Honoria Higgs came into the Great Hall. He didn't know this because he saw her. He knew this because of Ruthless, who was sitting across from him and got up and scrambled over the table and launched herself towards the doors. A moment later, he heard someone scream, My hair! Let go! <laughs> I love Ruthless. Honest to gosh. That so reminds me of the scene in Chamber of Secrets when... Uh, what's her name? She's in a headlock with Hermione. Millicent uh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Others may ignore you I wouldn't ignore you That day you beat up Hermione Ranger At that time you were estranged But I fell for you And even though I'm afraid of snakes I'll get used to your slithering ways If you'll just cuddle up With this hot full of Yeah, and that's where Hermione gets the 
cat hair from that she thinks is Millicent's. That's right. It kind of reminds me, too, of Hermione just laying one on Draco. That, too. (laughs) You foul, evil, lonesome cockroach. (laughs) (laughs) Look who's here. Ah, come and see the show. You, you foul, loads of them evil little cockroach. Oh, oh, Malfoy, you're okay. Let's go. Oh, quick. Oh, quick. Let's go. Run. Let's go. 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 let so, and then Neville comes up, and he drops all of the plants that he has, throws a wand on them, they fly apart, and he grabs Ruthless as she tries to run it on her again. I can so see him. Yeah. Like, it, it, and Mitch, He's like, oh my god! <laughs> like, swinging her around and off her feet. And then Bloodhorn thundered up from the staff table to collect Honoria. Honora. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's, you know, struggling to get out the whole time. Let me at him, let me at him. Let me at him! <laughs> Let me at him! Let me at him! Here, hold me back. Okay! Let me at him! Let me at him! Okay! I think you're missing the basic point here. Okay. Yeah. Just see it. Explain! <laughs> she... We didn't... Look! Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> it's not so big on the vocabulary, Gryffindors. Always. Yeah, especially when they're upset. So, mm-hmm. That's why they're Gryffindors. And he's just had it with her. He's upset, too. You can tell he's upset by the article, but Ruth, you've got to learn. Yeah. So he's going to have her serve detention, and it's not going to be a tea party like it was before. You're going to actually have to do something gross, and we're going to break you of this habit of attacking first. And I'm thinking, yeah, no, nah, it's not going to happen. She's a Gryffindor, man. Gryffindor. No butter. <laughs> well, maybe she'll think for 15 seconds instead of five. Got it. And then we find out that Slughorn is taken away. Honoria's new toy, and she's all whinging <laughs> and crying, and, you know, he won't let her. Yes. She's not allowed to continue. And Corky apologizes for her existence on behalf of Slytherin House. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> but yes, she's banned from the paper now, and she's most upset. Yes, she is. Ah, uh, here's the thunderstorm again. Oh, yeah, I can oh, well. hear it. Oh, I can hear it, too. Well, hopefully you won't lose power again. I like mm. the little British versus North Americanisms. It's like, it seems like she's gone off. You can see her wine. Wine, wind, whatever. What is whinging? I was like, what's yeah. whinging again? I know it means something. So does that mean that Harry grew up in little whining? Like, like you yep. know, the little place where people whine? place of small complaints. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Which kind of makes sense for Vernon and Petunia. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. So Professor Longbottom says, it's going to pass, Teddy, I promise. And then he says, come to Greenhouse 2 after supper. There'll be something there to cheer you up. And Teddy's like, all right. And he kind of wonders all day what might be there, and, and he gets there. And and point of fact, it's someone. Yes, it would be Uncle Harry. Yep. Gives him a great big Hufflepuff hug. <laughs> he is a Hufflepuff. Yes. Yeah. Teddy couldn't remember wanting a hug this much since he'd been about six years old, which made him feel quite stupid. Aw, yeah. poor guy. 
hugs are good. And not only does he get a great big hug, but he gets a box of Aunt Jenny's gingerbread cookies, too. Mm-hmm. And how can you go wrong? You just can't. And he's like, you came just to give me biscuits? And he says, no, I'm going to kind of investigate what your friend's after. Because mm-hmm. there's something that it might need a look at. Mm-hmm. Which is, of course, our mysterious vine in the place where he buried the resurrection stone. Right. <laughs> Doing it very sneakily, so he's trying to make himself not seen, which is cool. Yes. And the Hufflepuffs have calmed down a little bit. No more hexing from Bernice. That's but good. it's still not quite the same as it was before, and he kind of misses it. And nobody feels like playing the games anymore. Yeah, they've all kind of gotten cool to each other and stuff. It's, it's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. And there were rumors that Uncle Harry had been at school, and some thought it might be because of the anniversary of the Battle of Hogwarts. But the day came and went, and nothing happened. And Teddy went to the slope underneath the north battlements, where he found his dad's ring and sat there and just watched some of the memories. He's like, mm, maybe I won't do that again. Yeah. I like that he stumbled on the day of the memory of his own birth, and he was really happy that it didn't have a whole lot of information, and it was painful happiness, and he cried for no reason at all. It did a happy memory. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So people are paying a little bit less attention to Harry being there since the day has gone by. But Honoria is still trying. She wants to be a serious journalist so she can get back on the paper. Mm -hmm. And so she's asking questions of everybody. And Frankie finally comes over and says he needs to talk. Yeah. He says, now? I'm sorry, it's not you. I haven't, well, I haven't been talking to anyone. Talking got me into this. (laughs) And mm-hmm. so Teddy takes him to an antechamber where Madame Rosemurda is floating around. Yes. She's wanting to... Apparently things. she's a ghost these days. Yep. kind of fun. Yeah, yeah I'm so sorry. I have to, like, stop, rewind my thing, and go, she died? Okay. <laughs> she did in the battle, it sounds like. Yep. I think yeah. so. And the reason why she's at Hogwarts is because her son, whoever took over the three broom six, not me, because I would do a better job and she would like me, but whoever took over the three broom six isn't doing a good enough job and she bugged the crap out of them. So it's kind of a myrtle shift and she's over at Hogwarts, hunting Hogwarts. She has mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's lots of ghosts over there, so she's in good company. Yeah. And it turns out what Frankie wants is he'd like to look at the map and see where it is they're looking, because he knows Harry and Vivian and various other people are looking around in the forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Harry and Neville and Vivian. And it's the glade where the mysterious vine is. Mm-hmm. And Teddy's sort of getting a little worried. He's like, you know, I don't want to get into all this again. And I think Frankie's line is, haven't you ever just had to answer a question? And that mm-hmm. sounds like a very Hermione thing to ask, but... I mean, I think everyone's had something that they just have to follow through with, whether it's, can I run in a marathon? Can I get through this next class? Can I get a degree? Whatever. Mm -hmm. There's something that drives you, and right now, this question is driving Frankie. Insane, but that's Mm -hmm. what is driving him right now. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of the Dumbledore thing. You keep dwelling in what you're doing, and you forget to live. That's Mm -hmm. what Frankie's doing. Yeah. Yeah. They talk for a little bit, and he... Scott? Did he cut out? Yeah, I'm still here. No, he's there. He's just trying to gather his thoughts. Okay. Okay, we were worried. (laughs) Trying to figure out what precisely it is he's talking about with the Hufflepuffs. Well, he says, if I ever start talking about being an unspeakable, Frankie says, giving Teddy a ghost of a smile, 
Remind me about the crazy part. This doesn't make me happy. I'd rather not ask this question again. And Teddy says, mm-hmm. I think you'd best have a Hufflepuff do that. They don't yeah, seem they to don't, take it They as don't well. like it when anyone else calls you crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so. He says, well, I, I told them it wasn't your fault, but uh, yeah, yeah, they're Hufflepuffs. <laughs> they have a little bit more conversation, and then Frankie goes back, and Teddy, Teddy goes, goes to... on to class, and then goes back to the common room to do his homework, and then somebody is making a commotion outside of the portrait. Mm-hmm. And Priya says, oh, somebody's forgot the password. Hmm, think we should leave him for ten minutes or half an hour? Or, but yeah, Teddy, but Teddy knows the voices. Yeah, he recognizes something. And he wrenches the portrait open, and basically everybody from the forest guard is there except Frankie. He left partway through Care of Magical Creatures, and now he's vanished. And, of course, that is the end of the chapter. Right. Chapter 19, The Shadow in the Smoke. Suitably ominous. Yeah. Kind of sounds like a song. Could be. So, Teddy wants to know if Hagrid realized that Frankie was gone. And no, he hasn't because they lied to him for him. Because mm-hmm. they figured he'd be back by dinner time. <laughs> so much for that. That's what Bernice thought, anyway. Zachary just didn't notice that he was gone. <laughs> Good friend. So... Teddy decides he's got to get help, and mm-hmm. he goes and tries to find Neville. Look at the anti-Harry right there. They're going to get help. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so what Harry like? He tells Bernice to go get her head house. Mm-hmm. And he tries for Professor Longbottom, but nobody's there. He tries mm-hmm. Robards, and there's nobody there. So they decide he's probably in the forest, so they're going to split up, and they're going to go look. Yeah, groups of two or more. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want people going off on their own. Right. Again, much more organized than Harry ever was. Yes, yes. <laughs> Zachary looks at him and says, yeah, really. You know where he is, don't you? And Teddy says, Maybe, but if I'm wrong, you know, just go. Yeah, we've got to so check the other places. They all so. go. And then he leads him towards where he thinks Frankie's going to be. It's Teddy and... Tinny. Tinny? Tinny. Tinny. And he's describing what this place is like. It's sort of weird. It's powerful, but strange. And then they turn around, and there's Honoria Higgs, right there, trying to find out what's going on. (laughs) I don't know why every time, like, I hear them talk about her. I think of one of those, um, it's an ambulance floor, ambulance chaser. I don't know why. I just, (laughs) 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 that's the image I come up in my head. Well, that's a good one. Yeah, she'll be a paparazzi when she grows up. And they're trying to get rid of her and send her back, and they hear a faint word on the beads. They hear Petrificus, and it's like, Frankie! They take off, and he's throwing all kinds of spells. Frankie's throwing all kinds of spells, but they're panicked, and they get there. And Teddy manages to get one, but a bunch of them have already grabbed Tinny, and Honorius sort of doesn't want to get involved in this, and he says, go find Hagrid. She tries to petrify one, and she says, look, I can be useful, I can help, but says, you can help more if you find Hagrid. <laughs> yeah. And still, she doesn't really want to go, but the red caps come after her, and then she decides, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to run. There's only so far she'll go for the story. <laughs> Everybody has their limits. Yeah. They do. So Teddy tries the spell that Neville used to get them off him. It appears to be a flame spell of some kind. And that sets the forest on fire. Yes, which is all sorts of helpful. Yes. Yeah. So the red caps are pretty much all over him. They've yeah. Got, and he can't get a spell out because they keep hitting him in the middle of the word. Throws his aims off and he curses a tree and mm-hmm. it's just awful. I guess it's Tinny that gets hit in the middle of her spell because mm. she's 
they're trying to go back to back so they can protect everybody. Yeah, that was kind of hard to figure out, at least on the reader mm-hmm. that I have. Yeah. yeah. And Frankie they're trying to get to Frankie and they ask Frankie to help them also, but he's already lost his wand and a flaming branch drops down and the ivy starts catching on fire and it's a very strange sort of flame that's burning this ivy. Mm-hmm. As like a some kind of mist or smoke or something like that. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the swamp gas fire, like the weird blue stuff. Mm-hmm. He's having a really hard time because he can't breathe because of all the smoke, and the other two are pretty much passed out. They're kind of mm-hmm. on top of each other, and that's it. And he's just trying his best to keep everybody as in one piece as he possibly can, but he's having trouble too because yeah. mm-hmm. he's going to pass He doesn't out. know any healing charms, and he's 11. And he's trying to think of everything they've learned, and he thinks maybe he can levitate them out of the way, and he tries that, but it doesn't work. And he gets knocked on the head. and Yeah. Now he's dizzy and he's fallen over two of them. And he's taking blows on his back and his shoulders. And his dad's ring slides out from underneath his robes and he grabs at it. And he's kind of thinking really disjointedly that it's fitting for him to die like this. With his dad's ring in one hand and his mom's wand in the other. Mm-hmm. He ends up falling to the ground. This is where I had trouble with it when he falls to the ground and he's trying to get to his friends and how he goes now rocks and stuff like that in his hand. I understand by the end, but it was just, for me, that right there was really hard to follow. Yeah, and part of it's because of the text reader. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a little bit hazy in the first place because Teddy doesn't know what's going on. It's all sort of mm-hmm. disjointed and he's looking every which way trying to keep off these red caps and... I don't see where the first reference to the pebble is, but by the time he's grabbed Remus' ring, it also lodges itself around this pebble that he's got in his hand, and it seems to have, they almost become one piece, and Mm -hmm. something just tells him that what he needs to do is turn it over. And of course, he's managed to dig up the resurrection stone from under this burning vine. Yeah, he, at one point he falls, I think, and when he comes up, he's got the pebbles stuck to his hand, and that's mm-hmm. the one that stays there. So, mm-hmm. and he, you know, Dad, he whispered, Mommy, please help me, and there they are. And then he passes out and moves on into a dream, because he can tell, you know, he's got smoke in his lungs, and he's bruised, and there's flames approaching, but that's not what he sees. No, he's in the Whomping Willow down in the tunnel to the Shrieking Shack. I like how she did this. It was very... Surreal. Uh, yeah. I have to say that the first time I read it, didn't get the whole reference to the Resurrection Stone, but now... Having oh, it took it, me a little while yeah. to realize yeah. the heck going on. It, it just yeah. kind of felt like he... I didn't follow the pebble. Like, it's really this little nugget of information. I really just thought he passed out. And as a coping mechanism, he was having this dream mm-hmm. that got him through it. Like, that's how I read it the first time. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't notice when he picked up the pebble. But then it says his fingers loosened and the ring turned around in his hand. And that's when I figured out, oh, of course. Mm-hmm. He's got the resurrection stone and it's doing its turnover three times thing. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a while just to realize that's what it was. And I'm like, ah. Then it took me a little bit longer to figure out where this glade was. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the heck are you? I, yeah, it just took me a little while. But I figured it out. Yeah. All of the marauders are there. And right now they're mostly in their animal forms. And it's almost like the maps come to life. So you see prongs and it says James Potter next to it. And he hears a voice. 
Watch her, Teddy, someone says. You don't need to go into the tunnel, not for a long, long time. And he kind of turns around and he sees her and all he gets is a part of her name. And he gets Adora Lupin. And, you know, we know it's Nymphadora Lupin. And yep. he's finally eye to eye with this young and beautiful, bright pink-haired woman who mm-hmm. is his mother. And beside her is the cat. And it's Granny. Granny. Yeah. Checkmate's ancestor. Mm-hmm. And I love this. Mom, and she says yes. I'm not dead. It hurts to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Dad? Where he belongs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is dreaming, but it's a little bit different because he's connected to the map this way to do it. Mm-hmm. He asks about his friends, and they're also in his dream, sleeping under the roots of the willow. Right. He's coughing, but he, <laughs> at one point he sort of almost coughs himself awake and then kind of drifts back down. Mm-hmm. And, and he wanders a little bit. Because he's definitely not all there. He's mm-hmm. a little bit delirious, but he's vaguely wondering why there isn't a rat anywhere, because there should be one. And Tonk says, I'm afraid Mr. Pettigrew couldn't make it. <laughs> Is he there? Not that we've noticed. <laughs> so she tells him that he needs to let go, because if he doesn't let go, then they won't be able to see him. And he doesn't mm-hmm. want to let go. He wants to stay right where he is, with his mom and the marauders. And but- If they don't see him, they won't find the others either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he says, I don't care. And she counters and says, yes, you do. You wouldn't be out here if you didn't. And he tells them what this is that Frankie's been been trying to help Sanjeev all this time. And she says, yeah, we're looking for him too. And Teddy's baffled. Don't you have the map? And she says, no, the map's yours. And the words, what binds is bound, float through his head. And he doesn't quite get why that is either. Mm-hmm. But we will figure that out, I believe, at the end of this chapter or possibly in the next one. <laughs> and then she's like, you need to get Frankie to let go. And he's like, I've tried. You don't understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, an 11-year-old. <laughs> so. And he says, okay, it's it's time for you to go. And he says, I, he doesn't want to go yet. Dad. He hasn't We're seen dad. dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's... <laughs> When I start yelling at him, I go, what do you think he is? Mm-hmm. Let go, Teddy. Let go so they can find you. Well, and then he starts to see the people searching as well. Mm-hmm. And their voices, hear them. And he looks for the figure that's behind him, but he just can't quite see there. And he's feeling a hand on his neck. It's a very comforting hand. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, she doesn't really come out and say it, but it's Remus. Right. Mm-hmm. Let go, Teddy, now. And he lets go. And it's a very fatherly figure voice, pretty much, or teacher's voice telling him, okay, mm-hmm. you don't mess with this, you just do what it's told. And he starts coughing and sputtering, and now, of course, Harry can see him and hear him, so they're there. And they grab everybody and get rid of the bread caps, and Harry picks him up and slings him over his shoulders and runs with him back up to the castle. Okay, this is where I had problems, and I had to go back and reread it. And, I mean, I've literally reread it. Of him just putting his arms around them, what, did he just have him, like, hanging by his neck and he was, like, swinging him, running up? Or was he, like, carrying him almost, like, childlike or something? It says he felt himself lifted up, hoisted and swung until he was lying in Uncle Harry's arms, being carried like a small child. One arm slung over his shoulders, the other hanging down towards the ground. And so, you know, Harry's just scooped him up like you would a, a kid or like you would yeah. your wife as you're going over the threshold. Harry says, you could put your arms around my neck. I don't think he needed the support. 
so much as he needed to know that Teddy was lucid enough to follow the directions. Mm, it could also okay. be for balance, too. Like, if Teddy was leaning too far away from Harry, could you imagine trying to carry someone like that who wasn't kind of up against you and running? <laughs> so yeah. I, I kind of thought it was more for a balance thing of we need to move our center of gravity. Yeah, maybe. I was all confused, but for some reason, I was, yeah, I don't know what I was picturing, to tell you the truth. (laughs) He says he couldn't imagine it was helping much, but Uncle Harry just kept saying thank you as he carried Teddy up the uneven path. So that's why I think it was more just knowing that he was still awake enough to be following directions. But that's just my take. Then we get to the hospital wing, and poor Teddy, he's not going to come off on this very good. (laughs) Madame Pumphrey pulls everything out of his lungs with a spell. (laughs) He's like, okay, that's the worst thing I've ever experienced. This is not fun. And for reason, it just kind of reminded me of like how the pensive, at least within the movie, and how they like draw it out with their mm-hmm. wand stuff. I don't know why, but it just reminded me of that. God, oh, that has to hurt. <laughs> On a completely, well, not completely unrelated note, but not where we are, I've looked it up, and apparently it is Honoria. I also found a lot of other people who can't figure out how you're supposed to pronounce it, but <laughs> the people that I've found that seem to know do put the accent there. Madame Pomfrey is working to get all the smoke out of Teddy's lungs, and she tells Harry to take care of his cuts and scrapes. I know I taught you that much while you were training. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, he's got to know some things, the number of times he gets banged up. Mm-hmm. So, putting back together, and Teddy's... And- Professor Robarts has gone to get the parents. Mm -hmm. They give him some dreamless sleep and they send him off to sleep. Oh, but you missed, like, so they heal his scratches and bumps and bruises, but he's going to have a scar on his hand where the pebble was. Yeah. It was resisting healing spells. And he thought it was because the the ring had powerful charms on it, but really it's because of the resurrection stone. Mm -hmm. And he says you're going to have a scar. But your scar shouldn't hurt you at all, so... (laughs) Not quite the same as his. No. But useful. Mm-hmm. They're always useful. <laughs> Just for something. Yeah. yeah. This one isn't the map of the London Underground, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Not everyone oh, can. Oh, man, I need that scar. <laughs> <laughs> the map of the Underground guy. <laughs> yeah. I really have no idea how Albus would have managed to do that, but there but you it go. Was on, it was, like, off his inner knee or something like that. Yeah, like, can you imagine, me. Trisha, trying to whip out, like, the underside of your knee on the middle of the underground? I don't think it'd be useful. <laughs> My scar looks like Italy, so. <laughs> All it actually says in the passage is that it's above his left knee, so we don't know where exactly. It could be on the top, or it could be side, or somewhere. Yeah. So, anyway... He's having dreamless sleep, and Teddy's mumbling that he did have a good dream, and Harry says, yes, but you need to rest. Yeah. I love you, Teddy, yeah. and so do they. Yeah. But he knows what happened. Yeah, because yeah. he's seen it. And then he and wakes then up. morning, sunlight streaming in, and there are screens up around all the beds, and he can see that some of the parents are there, and Granny is sitting next to his bed. Yeah. She's sitting there, and he says he's sorry. And I guess she was napping, her eyes shut, and she said, you're back, you're fine, you're all right. Kissing him and just doing everything a, a parent, a guardian would do. And she asks if he needs anything, and he's thirsty, and he has a sore throat. She gives him a potion. Mm-hmm. And he tells her, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you leave work. And she, I like this line, she looked at him like he'd said something in a particularly obscure dialect of gobbledygook. 
then shook her head violently. No, don't you dare get into the habit of apologizing for accidents. Your friend said you did everything you ought to have. You looked for an adult. You didn't go alone. You were careful. It just got out of hand. Frankie, on the other hand, who exactly is a Gryffindor here? <laughs> yeah. Let us all pause here for just a moment. Hello, Kelly. Greetings. Here we go. Hi. Hi. We're still one chapter back. I told you we were on the last chapter, but we're not quite. So if you're trying to figure out our what place, happened. We're in 19. Tequeza. She didn't make it. She disappeared. She don't showed. know. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what happened, but oh. it's okay. We did it. We're just cruising I'm, right along. I'm just going to coast along here with the ride because I was not expecting to be here tonight. You didn't finish I it. have not read chapters, yes. And you're probably exhausted. But I am very tired. Yep. Well, you're welcome to just cruise along and hang on tight for the ride. I'm just going to hang out. Yep. Who's right yeah, she's fine. Yeah, I should have tweeted. Bad jokes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's always a good side. I'm watching the television. We have thunderstorms all to the north and to the west of us. And I am I just saw the whole picture pixelate and come back. So if I disappear, it's because my cable has gone out. Yeah. Okay. And yes, it's kind of noisy out there, actually. Grumble, grumble. <laughs> Teddy sort of tries to defend Frankie a little bit because he was trying to help Sanjeev. And apparently the reason that Andromeda was even at work is because Sanjeev started slipping away yeah. that night. Because Tonks and Remus and the rest have found him mm-hmm. and got him back where he's supposed no. to be. He feels like he ought to be happy that they'd found him, that they'd pulled him back from wherever he was. But mostly he just remembered the memory Mom had shared in which Sanjeev had taken her dancing and made her laugh during the year she thought she couldn't. And now they were both gone and nothing about it seemed to happen. And then we have Maddie. Yes. And she wants to thank Teddy for helping Frankie. And Teddy asks how he is, and he seems to be fine. And she says she's sorry for everything, and she didn't think that her being working so hard on this would communicate itself to Frankie the way it did. Mm-hmm. But she promises nothing like that will happen again. Yeah. And then Frankie wakes up and wants to know if they can move the screens around. And Tinny's there with her leg in a splint because of the bad knee sprain, and they meet her family. They meet her parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the adults... It's interesting that the atmosphere is so different with the screens moved around, but it does make sense. Even though you logically know you're still all in the same room, having a divider like that does make a difference to mm-hmm. how everything... I don't know how to phrase that, but yeah. Yeah, it just makes a difference the way you feel about things. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. You isolate yourself. I mean, it's not just mm-hmm. a virtual walls, but physical ones, so... So they all have Even people little can hear you across conversations screen, but you... about things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. People don't tend to think of that. I guess these ones probably you wouldn't because like, they're Maddie magic does. screens. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they probably have, yes. you know, like anti-eavesdropping yeah. spells on them or something. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a very big room. This isn't like it's a room that you can shut a door in. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You know. So, so you're going to have privacy screens, and she's going to mm-hmm. have spells on them to keep somebody quiet mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and i don't mean keep somebody quiet i mean keep them in quiet right you know what i'm saying yeah well so basically, they can rest better they'll have privacy spells on them to give everybody privacy 
You know, not only are you mm-hmm. blocking them visually, but the spells are there to block the sounds and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes. just like Kelly was saying, not only are you blocking the sounds from other people hearing what's going on inside one cubicle, but you're also blocking the sounds inside the cubicle so that they're not hearing what's going on outside and they can continue to rest. Right. I mean, can you imagine having somebody who needs to be kept calm and quiet and they have, you know, the Gryffindor team coming from Quidditch, yeah. you know, they're going to be noisy. So yeah, you're going to want, you can't tell the whole room to be quiet. So it's just a lot easier to spell the screens to, it's kind of like the cone of silence, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, are we going to have to dig that up again? <laughs> we were just watching that again. Smart. <laughs> cone a couple of weeks ago. I guess just last week, actually. <laughs> yeah. Max, it seems to me that just a minute, Chief, isn't this top security? Well, shouldn't we activate the cone of silence? Cone of silence? Yes. All right, man. Hodgkins. Yes, sir. Activate the cone of silence. Cone of silence? First of all, how much? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we lost Scott. Did we lose him? <laughs> yeah, we did. We just lose him. Oh, I'm sorry. And, oh, and he's, he was invisible, so I don't know if he's... Just try him anyway. Actually, I know, but I have to find him because he's not on my list. Scott, come back. So I don't know if we're going to... Speaking of silence, apparently I'm not supposed to talk about that. (laughs) Where did I get to before I fell off? I think you had my left heart. One word. (laughs) Okay. Well, I was reading one in which they deliberately use another gadget because the chief really doesn't want to use the cone of silence. And of course, <laughs> the other gadget doesn't work either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're way on course. I love anyway, the they, they move the screens around, and all the adults are trying to be blasé about everything. And ah, uh, kids will be kids, but they're still not moving from their bedsides. Yeah. And I, I like this part where Granny keeps her hand in his hair while she mentions how Mom had always been off on adventures and how. She, meaning Granny, had often gone out on the grounds to meet Granddad, and Susanna Grudgeon said, Late night Quidditch matches? And Maddie's like, wow, and here we just went out and snogged. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, of course, at noon, Madame Pomfrey comes in and sends everybody out to lunch, all the adults, puts the screens up, Mm -hmm. orders everybody to rest. Yes, and she is muttering about red caps and all the troubles in the forest and the nature of boys, and then she looks over at Tinny and she says, all of oh, them. <laughs> Children, really. <laughs> Dang, kids. Poor Madame Pomfrey. <laughs> yeah, she's got everybody in there. And, and Frankie, Frankie wanders into Teddy's and... little cubicle. Mm-hmm. Just has to say sorry. Teddy says, we're all right. Frankie's like, really? Sure. And he's like, I should have listened to you. Yes, you should have. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's a good little banter that goes on right here. Mm-hmm. And then and Teddy says, oh, it wasn't stupid. And Harry shows up and says, yes, it was. <laughs> and then, but I'm not going to hold it against you. It was you. stupid, but I'm the last one to hold that against someone. Yeah. And so now Harry talks about 
the clearing. And he said that Neville and I have made the clearing unplottable. There's part of the story you don't know, and I don't think you're old enough for it. So I find myself not telling you something that's important and understanding what I thought I wouldn't. I promise. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you later. I, I think that was such a Dumbledore reference, and I was just sat there. I'm like, yeah. what? He asked the question. He went out there tell him he's old enough. I'm like, you want a Dumbledore to tell you? I was, I kind of went off on <laughs> Well, that was mm. why the statement of, and understanding what I thought I wouldn't. He's yeah. understanding why. Yeah. He understands. Yeah, what he that, doesn't want to tell him. But he says, can you live <laughs> without knowing everything yet? And he says, yeah, you know, I think I can. Because mm-hmm. so. he guesses that his father was there, and Harry says yes and no. And then he thanks him and gives him a kiss, and he says, I don't suppose there'd be any point in telling you not to scare me like this again. And Teddy's like, I'll try not <laughs> to. He's like, yeah, right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> a true marauder's son. Yes. Yes. Yep. I almost want to see uh, the generation after this, the, the next next generation, mm-hmm. to see what hijinks they get up to in like Teddy's reaction, or just like a short one shot of like Teddy and whoever running in after some sort of adventure that his kids have done, and you know, in the hospital mm-hmm. wing, Madame Pomfrey muttering about something and boys <laughs> and children, and <laughs> I just think yeah. it's just such yeah. a I love things like I wonder that. if they'd keep getting smarter by the generations. Oh, now, see, what'll sort of happen is... Get in less and less trouble as they go until there's a generation where they're all like Percy, and then the next generation <laughs> snaps right back to the other end again. <laughs> so what happens is no, no, Harry no, says, no. See, Teddy? See, Teddy? <laughs> what did I tell you? <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. yep. So we're on to the last chapter which is called The Last Paw Print. Yay. And Teddy has to stay in for observation for a while and keeps getting better. Yeah. And Frankie and Tinny get to go a little sooner because they hadn't breathed in as much smoke. Right. And Ruthless brings in Chessmate. Yeah. yeah. She's Chessmate? Uh, Chessmate, yeah. Checkmate. <laughs> because she was purring so loudly for Teddy that no Gryffindor could sleep or study. And we know that yeah. Gryffindors want to study, so you've got to get rid of the cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cats can be noisy when they want to be. Yeah. <laughs> Are you just purring? Oh, my kitty. Um, in the tower, she was yowling. And yeah. then when she brings her in, she climbs up onto the pillow and just purrs and falls asleep. <laughs> she was lonely. Oh, yeah. yeah she's, she's speaking of yeah. one of my cats just knocked on the door. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. So Harry goes home. Let me in. (laughs) And finally, he gets released from the hospital ring. He finds out he has hospital exams coming up. Thought you said hospital ring. I thought the hospital what? Oh, wing. (laughs) Wing. Wing. I'm I'm slurring my words. I haven't had anything to drink. I swear. Grape juice sounds good. (laughs) Oh, unadulterated kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's much better than the ruined kind, really. <laughs> anyway. Well, if she's slurring her words already, then the ru- then the other kind probably would not be a good idea. Probably not. I'm going to like- let this cat in before he can be heard on the podcast. I'll be right back. Before he yowls. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Insert him in acting for checkmate. Yeah. Yes, but- I meowed, and now the dog is wagging her tail. <laughs> of course. You're a goofy dog. 
Hermione has sent him a Hermione homework planner along with Harry. I love it. It'll be easier to keep to this. Of course, she if you sent stay him out of the hospital wing. It, of course, she sent him a homework planner. Jeez, it's Hermione and Harry. Ron and I never followed ours. We still managed to pass most of our classes. Yeah, yeah. divination. We t- uh, well, divination. And Madame Pomfrey gives him a potion that he's supposed to put on his pillow so he can breathe it in every night. Mm-hmm. And if he sees so much as a speck of blood when he coughs, he's to come straight back. And Teddy heartily agrees with this notion, though he doesn't really think it will. Right. And when he gets to dinner, he discovers he's won 20 points for right. trying to rescue Frankie. And Honoria has earned 10 for going to the professor's. Yay! Which she followed directions. Would've... But how many points did Frankie lose? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't say. And the rest of her house aren't giving her the cold shoulder so much for that. And mm-hmm. um, she's quite happily telling the story of her great adventure in the forest now. So. <laughs> yeah, Teddy says, thank you for going. And she's like, of course I went. Slytherins can be useful. <laughs> yeah. Ever heard of the term snake oil charmer? <laughs> yeah. How wonderful to see your smiling faces again. All of you. I've never known such warmth, such welcome, such loving hospitality. Get out, you quack! I don't bring those forty remedies here again. Go on back where you belong. Jail! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you! I sense enthusiasm. I sense loving response. And that's why I feel that this is my home. Away from home. <laughs> And Teddy's completely confused because she's bristled and stomped off. And Maurice is like, clearly your thank you was sarcastic and an insult to the house. We shall have to avenge ourselves on you for it. Girls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that Kenny decorated her cane with yellow paper striped with black. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hey, don't chew the computer. And I'm oh, hungry. No. <laughs> His whole mouth was on top of the corner. Take it a bite. I'm like, no, no, no. It's the pet cast. Pet cast. Yep. I've already decided you and Trisha and Heather will have to start the sports corner or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to have the cooking, <laughs> cooking cast and we're going to have the sports corner. And, yeah. Yeah. Pet cast. I, what, 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 it's what called. Kelly and the, and the Pittsburghers. <laughs> Kelly and the Pittsburghers. It's, it's called it's called Random Cast. That's what it is. <laughs> yes. It's true. Topic? What topic? We don't have topic. Okay, let's finish the talk. It's almost done. We want to go to bed. I'm getting sleepy. We are actually better at that than sometimes. Topic. We're way on course. A bunch of the Hufflepuffs come over to join them at the Slytherin table, mm-hmm. and the Slytherins are rolling their eyes at them. So Maurice and Corky, being the two Slytherins of the group introduce their fellow Slytherins to certain sign language. Yes, and bilingually. Yes, right. lose a point each. <laughs> Two points each. Yeah, well, you know, you can't do that when the teacher wanders by. It's kind of bad. Yeah. yeah. Timing is everything. <laughs> it is. Then we find out that Frankie was summoned to Professor Sprout's office the next day to take a flu call from his mother, who was calling to tell him Sanjeev had slipped away quietly, and the adults were having a tiny service, and that was it. So Frankie decides to have Frankie holds holds one of his own in the Hufflepuff Commons, and everybody comes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all the Hufflepuff. 
even though Sanjeev hadn't been there for 20 years and nobody knew him, everybody showed up. And he writes up his eulogy that he did for that and puts it in the charmer. Right. And everybody and it's actually good. sees that he's actually pretty good at writing. So, yeah. The last lingering jokes died away, except the Gryffindor third-year boys tried to make weeping sounds at him, but somebody hexed them, so they actually started crying like babies. Mm, I wonder who no one could identify who cast the hex, even though at least ten people saw Ruthless draw her wand. <laughs> <laughs> we know nothing. I never saw anything. And then Stevie's studying for his end-of-term exams, and he, unlike Harry and Ron, used Hermione's instructions, which made good sense. Yes. And he caught up on everything, and he started looking through second-year text. He was just right on target. I'm sure Hermione was so proud. And it really shows that he is Remus's son. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He is. And then he's done all his studying, and then he thinks, oh, there's one more thing he hasn't done with the Marauder's Map. He's going to try the other people's spells and finds all the things that James left around the school mm-hmm. and all the things that Sirius left. And apparently he left a dog lead at some <laughs> odd spot. Yeah. I thought that was funny. And yeah, he goes around and he collects just everything that they've left behind until he only has one one thing left. One thing left. I like that most of Peter's things were stashes of food. Mm-hmm. Some of them possibly from when he was actually a rat, because they're behind the walls and things. And he tries a bunch of different ways to figure out what the spell for Peter would be, and it turns out to not be Latin for a rat. It's actually Revello Petagresis. Yeah, it's something he made up. mm Mm-hmm. Sirius left a book in the Transfiguration classroom with all sorts of notes in it, and for a bit he's excited because he remembers the whole thing with the Half-Blood Prince's book. Mm -hmm. But mostly it seems to be so they would transfigure objects into embarrassing sort of things. (laughs) And then he has a memory of the Marauders on their last day. They spent the night drinking fire whiskey, so they've overslept, and they're trying to rush everything so they can get breakfast and the carriages down to the trains. And Dad or Remus is reaching in the cubbyhole, and he can't find the keys. I can't find the keys to the map. He's distraught, and they're like, well, we're not coming back, and the map's gone, and so... That's a big deal. There's nothing really we need to worry about. So he finds the box of pictures and he says, do you want these? And Sirius is like, I wouldn't have shoved them in the wall if I wanted them. And so they just stayed there for the 30 years, waiting for Teddy to bring them back, which is cool. Yay. All of the things he found, except for Peter's rotted food, he put into a cardboard box. Mm -hmm. He's going to maybe put them in a basket or something. He doesn't really know what he wants to do with them, but he wants to keep everything. Yeah, everything needs to stay together. And so there's just the one print left in the private quarters of the Defense Against the Dark Arts office. And he doesn't want to break in, but he's got to, can't figure out what to do. So he's just like haunting the halls. I think that's really funny. Mm-hmm. And he finally decides, okay, he's going to at least go in. So he knocks on the door and Mr. Robards is expecting him. Gavin. And he says, he's been thinking he's got something you might like. There's a picture, and oh, I seem to have lost it behind the dresser. Would you like to help me clean all this stuff out? <laughs> yeah. So they kind of do this summoning charm and all this junk <laughs> just comes out from all these mm-hmm. Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers that have been there. Yeah. 
I get the impression that Professor Robards knew there was something that Teddy wanted, well, as well as just having this picture. I think that, yeah, yeah, I think this is the foreshadowing here. Robards was sitting at his desk going through a stack of papers. There was a letter on his desk addressed to him in Uncle Harry's handwriting, but he swept it into his drawer when he saw Teddy looking. And Teddy guessed mm-hmm. it was horror business, but I kind of doubt that. I think that yeah. was Harry saying, uh, there's something behind the cabinet. <laughs> he tries to find it. And they get all this stuff. There's a brooch and there's a clothing High dive scarf. And, yeah. yeah. The dress code from 1942. and A sprinkling, a sprinkling of, of little black <laughs> hair bows. <laughs> I'm like, that's a bridge. That would just be wrong. <laughs> it's got to be. Mm. It's scattered like flies. It's got to be her stuff. I will have order. And apparently there's a black family crest because Phineas Nigellus' mother was Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher for a while until she got married. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun. So he gives that to him because he thinks that Granny might like it. And there's all sorts of various jotted notes that he sort of looks at jumbled up. I'd kind of like to see more of what they are because they look kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. You can see one bit in there is when Remus was getting the Grindelow. Right. But there's various other things that might be neat. Teddy's kind of hoping that the paw print isn't just the Grindelow receipt. That would be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's looking for his dad's handwriting as he paws through things. And he picks up some stuff and an envelope thuds out of it. And it's not in his dad's handwriting, but it's addressed to his dad. But it's addressed to him, yeah. And it's... In bright purple ink. Yeah. On pink paper. The handwriting was unexpectedly even and straight, but still somehow exuberant. And you just know it's... It's hers. Mm-hmm. And Robards is like, what do you have? And he says, it's a letter from mom to dad. He must have put it in the drawer and forgotten about it. Or not realized where it had got to, Robards offered. And yeah. there's all these and photographs. He takes out everything in it. And yeah, there's a bunch of different photographs from Christmas, whatever year that was. Mm-hmm. 93. Oh, 94, I guess. Yeah, dated 1994, May of 1994. So I guess she kept the pictures for a while then. Mm-hmm. And she sends him the letter, and she says she found the stationery and ink in an old school trunk. And don't you think your girl students are going to just wonder who's sending you stuff on this kind of stationery? Yep. And you can just imagine her as, you know, 13, 14-year-old writing everything on pink paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had bright blue paper with clouds on it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty. So it's just a real newsy letter, you know. Yeah. And I guess the reason the pictures are all from Christmas is because it's taken her that long to actually take the time and develop it. Because mm-hmm. the Aurors are running a ragged. Mm-hmm. And they talk about Auror business for a while, and Sanjeev gets a mention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she says uh, she's visiting in spirit, so you could give all students a free period and tell them they're being lectured by an invisible Auror trainee. <laughs> yes, I will impart great wisdom on them. And then you could come and see yep. me. Yeah. And then, of course, she gets a call from Mad-Eye. Gotta go. And she signs it Dora. That was sweet. And Teddy looks through some of the pictures. They have a Christmas cracker that turns into a duck. <laughs> and there's one of Remus sleeping in a chair with the cat draped all over him, which I could just see. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of him necessarily as a pet person to start with, but... I'm reading a story right now where animals can't stand it because of the werewolf. Mm. And even, uh, it's not a pygmy puff, but Peter's got some little 
I can't remember what it is, but some little critter that he's just all enamored with. And boys think it's funny because it's a girl kind of critter. And um, so maybe it is a pygmy puff. And it won't even I don't know. go anywhere near Remus. You know, Remus gets close to him and it squeaks and rolls under the bed as fast as it can. So, <laughs> so Robots tells him he can keep the envelope and all this stuff. But he did also have a picture to show him. Mm-hmm. And it's a different Christmas party. And they are sitting together across from Rachel, who is his friend, apparently, having a chaotic sort of party, all sorts of things going on in the picture. And he sort of ceremonially takes out the map and tries all four spells, and there's nothing left to find. And so the animals just sort of stretch out and rest. With the picture that Robarbs gives him, his mom's pregnant with him. Because mm-hmm. you can see her stomach presses out against her robes, and she keeps touching her stomach a lot. And I like that he, he's yeah. so polite. He says, should I write to your friend and say thank you? I don't know her name. And Robard says, that's okay. I'll pass it on. Yeah. And we move on to the last day. The hall is decorated for Slytherin. Of course. And Teddy decides he didn't think the colors really suited the hall. Maybe he'd try for Gryffindor victory next year. Yes. <laughs> but it was a good feast. And the elves come out and bow. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... <laughs> Andrew Stevens is lamenting that he couldn't marry Winky because she makes a wonderful treacle tart. Yeah, and it'd make it well worth any stigma they'd have to face. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. yeah. He goes off the pack, and all the other boys have all this trouble finding their own things out of the jumble of stuff, but Checkmate isn't exactly going to steal his socks, so he just packs everything. Mm-hmm. It's all his stuff. He doesn't have to worry about it being anybody else's. So. And he puts the pictures from James on the top right. so he can get them out right away next year. He of course, he doesn't think that he has to unpack clothes so they can get washed at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, doesn't think that far ahead, I guess. He takes one last look in Dad's ring because he can't use the charm again until September. And he got a fun, happy memory of a tromp Dad had taken in the mountains with his own father. Mm-hmm. on a really happy note with that, which is really neat. And yeah. then in the morning, there's no time to be sorry about leaving because everybody's rushing around and trying to get everything together so that they can get on the train. He ends up having to cast a sleep charm on Checkmate because she does not want to come. No. <laughs> he thought that if humans invaded the world of cats, Checkmate would be a pretty good soldier in the defense. <laughs> yeah, because his hands are badly scratched. Everybody just sort of has breakfast together because they're all bustling around getting ready to leave. And Frankie gets all the guard together and they get in their own three carriages. Mm-hmm. And they set up Muggles and Minion game on the way in back. The carriage. Yeah. In the, uh, what do they call those? The it's not, it's not carriage on the train. Compartment. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and Frankie seems to be quite happy about everything, which is kind of nice, but he has changed over the year. Yeah. It would change him. Yeah. And Donzo is writing a song based on their Muggles and Minions game, which by the time they all get through with it, making up verses and rhymes, Teddy thinks he probably wouldn't be allowed to sing it in public. <laughs> Especially with the sign language. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the whole group of them get out of the train and go off together, and Frankie's younger sister comes up and finds him. Yep. Guess something. What? Guess. I have no idea. So she says, I'm not going to be the baby anymore. Frankie's eyes get really wide. (laughs) (laughs) Looks a bit green. So the rest of the 
Uh, well, Maddie tracks her down, and apparently the rest of the parents have also decided to gather in a group because mm-hmm. it would be easier to find. Well, they all know the kids will be together. Mm-hmm. And James is very formal about carrying Checkmate's basket because since he owns her brother, he to be the god owner. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very important, god ownership. Yep. So and they all decide they're going out to a restaurant for dinner because Susanna's opening a restaurant in Diagon Alley. So they kind of fill up the place. Mm-hmm. And Honoria's father comes by and makes disparaging comments to Harry about having to swallow a snitch. Mm-hmm. And Harry just sort of ignores him and says, yeah, well, did win the game. And the muggle-born parents are also in a group, kind of casually disguising the barrier outside. Mm-hmm. Kind of hanging around. So they head off to the restaurant. They take taxis down to Charing Cross Road. And <laughs> they have to go through the leaky cauldron, of course. The restaurant's officially closed, but the Grudgeons meant to feed everyone for free as guests, but Granny argued them down to at least letting everyone pay for the cost of the food, and they mm-hmm. ate outside in the summer. Just had, like, a picnic. It sounds like a really wonderful time. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and, uh, Ruthless, apparently forgetting she loathes Quidditch, is wondering about getting tips to be a good beater from George, and Teddy's like, no, don't give her a bat! <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, really, don't do that. That's dangerous. <laughs> and so the adults keep having conversation, and the kids go off to the statue and lie on the grass and set out their game where they left off from the train. Yeah. And uh, James and Elle are the official dice rollers. It's a good gig for little kids, rolling the dice. That's good. Yeah. And then after a while, they decide they are going to learn karate and start kicking the mosquitoes. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> They could come here and do that. <laughs> they really yeah, they probably did something. What did something? And they're making plans to keep on playing over the summer. Even Roger, since he can't use the flu, he could just take a bus to the Leaky Cauldron and get in that way. Right. He wants to take them to the planetarium because it's great. Mm-hmm. Much more fun than astronomy classes. And somebody's got to come to Donzo's rehearsals. They're so. terribly boring. Yes, yes. And Ruthless thinks they should all learn karate. Frankie sort of vetoes the idea because... Nobody wants Ruth to be able to hit harder. Nope. And they all kind of throw out different things that they could be doing, and they contemplate what, out of the millions of all possibilities, of summer ahead of them. they can do tomorrow. Yep. The end. That was fun. It really is. It's a great story. This is my first Next Gen that I've ever read, and it pulled me in right away. And I very deliberately left reading the next ones until we finished this one for the podcast so that I wouldn't get confused. But as soon as I finished my reread of this, I started the next years. So it's, you know, it's something <laughs> I will definitely continue to follow and, yeah. and read. I know that some people are against next generation stuff, but I think it's just... Hang on a second. I'm going to drop you and add you back because you're really breaking up again. Okay. I was going to say, did she sound like she was getting electrocuted, or was it just me? <laughs> yeah, she's behind the electric fence. Yeah, I mean, she's understandable, but it's just not quite. I've read a lot of Next Generation things. I know that some people have dislikes towards them, that, that they like to stay in the current years of the fandom or whatever. 
or they don't like going back to the previous generations. But it really just, as long as you characterize Harry and Hermione and Ron well, you can do anything you want because it's unscripted. All we know is the 19 years later, and I think it just provides a whole new area of fresh material that you can keep having good writers write stuff, mm-hmm. like Fernwithy. I've read a lot of Teddy and Victoire. I've read a lot of Rose and Scorpius things. So there's a lot of good stuff. I think one thing that she doesn't quite go into, but one of the common themes that seems to be popping up in these next generation is reactions towards like Teddy, even though he's not a werewolf, the fact that there's still some prejudices. And I read a really good, it was a little five chapter story that Umbridge has a, a very defining role in that they want to put Teddy into like a, basically a home with other werewolf children. I don't know. And it's, it's really an interesting look at the after war aspects. But this one, I love it. I, I've read and I'm still reading all of the rest of this world and it just gets better. That if you like this, you really need to find her site, which I'm sure we'll link in the show notes and just keep reading because it's really a fabulous little verse that she's created that you can really get lost in like you get lost in Harry Potter. Yeah, I agree. It's a little bit harder to write Next Generation stuff simply because you don't have as much to work with. For the people who are already good authors, it's good practice because you have to make up your own characters. But for those who it's easier to follow the established guidelines and things, you have to make up your own characters. So it's a little more difficult. Yeah. But yes, this was, this was a good story. I enjoyed reading it. I enjoy the fact that there is all the backstory, even if you don't necessarily understand everything that's going on, you don't always have to, but the fact that it's there makes the entire story a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I recommend those as well. And Trish mm-hmm. is being very quiet, but I think she might want to say something about those. Or she fell Oh, no. I fell asleep beforehand. So <laughs> I took a little nap. <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> I did at one point. I'm like, I woke up, I'm like, oh, oh, not at the end. Okay, I can go through this stuff. <laughs> At least you didn't snore. You're good. I was going to say, did I snore at all? No. Yeah. But no, I, nope. yeah, I like the story. I'm not a big next generation person. This did take me a while. I like the two previous stories, Shift and Shade, better. I don't know why, but I like hearing about the adults more than I like hearing about the kids. It's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. But it's very well written. I like her original characters. They're very well developed. They're funny, ruthless. It's just wonderful. I mean, she has very unique names, and they're not, like, really over-the-top kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's my personal opinion. I like reading more about the adults more than I like reading about the kids. But as the next generation, it is very good. Okay. So I think we all liked it, and we're all encouraging all of you to go out and read some more because they truly are really awesome stories. And mm-hmm. I'm definitely going them. to be continuing on with shifts, so and probably further from there. So mm-hmm. who knows? It's just a really nice verse to get into. So follow the links that we will put up, and a whole new world can be opened up to you. Mm-hmm. A whole new world. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we uh, have to Edith. add Kelly to say goodbye because she has to stop. Of course, I'm calling her cold, so hopefully she'll be there. Oh, there she is. I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys watched The Deadliest Catch. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. And nope. Well, they uh, this is a Discovery Channel show. Right. And they're crab fishermen mm-hmm. in the Bering Sea. 
and one of the captains had a stroke and passed away in February. Right. And they're having his last show is tomorrow night. Oh. And they had his first mate and one of his sons on just on the Tonight Show. Ah, so we caught you in a sad moment. Yes. <laughs> right when they went to commercial, the phone rang and it was like, oh, wait a minute. <coughs> Sorry. Uh-huh. Well, we just brought you in to say goodnight. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can everybody summarize what you fic? thought of the fic, too, if you we like. Did, yeah. Good night. Yes. <laughs> Trish is ready to go to bed. <laughs> run, run. <laughs> No, I thought this was a really... I recall sleep for the podcast. I'm sorry. I'll just... Uh, this will be really quick. This was the first piece of fiction that I had ever read by Fernwitty and thought it was really great. I liked it a lot. In fact, I'd like to go through and read the rest of the shift verse now mm-hmm. that this has kind of sucked me in. But uh, I highly recommend it. I hope everybody's been having fun following along with our mayhem. But do go read it. It's, it is a very good story. And so are the rest of them in the yeah. series. That's my point oh five cents. Point oh five cents. Wow. Okay. Well, with that, we will say good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> so Bye. We have to redo the opening because we screwed that up. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hello. Hey, Scott. We just paused the podcast, so I'm not talking to two versions of us at once. That's that would be. Know. I think we should do that sometime. <laughs> just do a commentary on our own podcast. That's yeah. a little freaky. That's what I'm thinking. Yep. It would be fun. We have Fern. I don't see her on here yet. Yeah, so, no. Ryan. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hi. All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm here. Yay! <laughs> All right. <laughs> but we don't have Trisha. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> we'll get everybody eventually. Okay. I want you to know that this is typical. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm feeling guilty. Yes. No, don't feel guilty. There hasn't been too much going on hold, but there's always at least a half an hour of technical difficulties. And are we all there? And who's going first? And, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Who do we lose? Come here, come here, come here. Hello, Yay. Trisha. We made it. Yay! Yay! Wait, we gotta drop Scott at least once. <laughs> no, we don't. Say that. <laughs> I waived my right to falling off the call for the. Is uh, Kelly coming on? Yes, but she's not here yet. Fern, this is everybody. Yes. Everybody, this is Fern. Hi, Fern. Hi everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've heard most of them. I have. I've heard all four of them now. Um, oh, I'm making more edits, but yeah, oh, I enjoy no. them. <laughs> well, that's good because usually the authors are throwing things at their computers and wanting to hit oh, us. Come on. Say, it's not that bad. Yeah. How did you not understand this? <laughs> yes. Well, that will be one of our questions. Yeah. Have you listened to all these things? What did you want to say? <laughs> <laughs> I just kept having to answer. (laughs) Oh, well, good. That's a good thing. Uh, I have to say, a lot of my questions, I answered myself 
once I got further in your series is, and I was like, oh, uh-huh. okay, that makes sense now. But when I listened to, like, that first podcast we were talking about, like, why is Tonks good at, po-? like, it made sense later, but I was only through that part, so. Yeah. Sorry. That's no, okay. I, I was hoping that um, the things that I mentioned that were related would be seen as, you know, so unimportant that it wouldn't matter whether you'd read it or not. Yeah. But. Yeah, well, most we like of to them pick up on details. Yeah, I was the only one that read the whole entire thing and then didn't get to finish podcasting. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. This is a special interview that we are doing. I'm Sue. I'm Scott. I'm Trisha. And this is Oliver's gal. And we have a special guest tonight with us. We have the author of the Teddy <laughs> Lupton stories with us tonight. Hi, I'm Fern Libby. Yay! <laughs> and you've answered one of our questions right there, which was how to pronounce your name. And then some of the other questions is how to pronounce the characters' names. But, you know. <laughs> Honoria. 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 Okay. I kind of thought it wasn't Honoria, but you never know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Although when she grows up, she has friends who call her Honey. Ah, yes. I could do that. Any of the others? There were others that we had to watch. Hmm. I don't remember who they were, though. (laughs) It's been too long. Did we have new professors in this one? Uh, We had Robards and Gardner. Um, Okay. They were pretty important in pronouncing, so yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we run into interesting professor names. (laughs) Well, Robards comes out of the books. He was uh, Tonks' boss. Mm -hmm. So So you have had a chance to listen to our podcasts on these things. Um, I have. it, It is a little odd for us because it's been more than a year now since we were doing it, and yet everybody's hearing them at this point, but... Was there anything when you were listening through that you wanted to answer or you thought we got particularly strange or any other things you wanted to say? Well, I don't think there's anything that got really strange. I did want to answer, like you were asking if I had any experience with the, the role-playing game. And the truth is I started writing this after I visited my two best friends who are inveterate role-players. So uh, I, I definitely wanted to include the role-playing in it for that. We'd played all night. so mm. That was fun. Yeah. We actually have some questions about that as well, because there are people, particularly on the forum, now that we've started releasing these, who would like to get into doing a Muggles and Minions game. So it'd be oh. interesting to know what other details you have in your head that didn't make it into the stories, like what the character categories are and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't think that I had a lot of details in my head. You know, basically, if you think of it as, as Dungeons and Dragons, you could use a standard Dungeons and Dragons rules. But there would be scientists, there would be military people, what else? You know, professors, computer experts, and probably a lot of things that the magical people completely misunderstand. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> might think mm-hmm. that pilots fly the planes by plugging themselves into it or something. But, yeah. Um, well, that makes sense. It would look like it when you see like the fighter pilots with the masks and stuff. <laughs> That's true. That is um, pretty different. Yeah. Where did you come up with the idea that it should be subways that they're going through to get all their goodies and stuff? Well, I was trying to figure out something that would be analogous to a dungeon crawl. And the only thing that's even close to dungeons in any major muggle city would be the subways. So <laughs> That makes sense. 
Yeah. <laughs> as far as the story itself goes, what particularly inspired you to start this series and where did you get that from? Well, I was really angry about uh, J.K.R. killing Remus and Tonks. And I had written kind of a brief Teddy story, which was really much, much more angry than we get here. But the more I did it, the more I kind of liked Teddy. And I said, I want to have some fun with him. You know, I want to go to his first year. But I found out that I couldn't have fun with him without also still getting really, really angry. So he spent a lot more time worrying about his parents' death than Harry ever did, because mostly that was me getting it out of my system. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, that would do okay. it. As a super fan of the shades and shifts, are you going to do the story of the seventh year, please? Please, 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 please. <laughs> okay, you guys are going to be like the first people in telling about this. I have been trying and trying to figure out a way into it, and I think I might have a way to do it. I saw, <laughs> I saw on your live journal that you were like thinking about it because you, you had out a like a canon question, so I had a feeling you might be yeah. trying to figure it out. So then yeah. I was trying to think of like, well, who could she use? Because I read it. I check your, your site every day. I'm sorry. I, I am that person. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> okay I thought I was because... a stalker, but I'm not so bad anymore. Well, no, because you were writing the new one um, for the Potter kids, and I really did like the story, and I really hope you pick it up again, but I understand life gets in the way. So I've been like trying to see what you've been up to. Yeah. Right new... now, I, I'm kind of waiting for October to see what kind of info dump we get with Pottermore. Oh, yeah. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be at least until after Pottermore before I start something, but awesome. at least anything major. But yeah, well, good to know. <laughs> well, that's exciting. Yeah, hopefully it will be before October that people are actually hearing this. So you know. In <laughs> 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 so, case, who knows? <laughs> so with that, I actually I got through shifts, which that's the the fifth year one, right, mm-hmm. Fern? And I understand where your Teddy's coming from. He is a lot like his parents in all of their good traits and their bad traits. But where did you sort of mesh up and and figure out how to flesh out both Remus and Tonks? Because from the canon, we get glimpses of who they are in in books three and and in books five and, and so on. But you really, like, made them human. And, you know, what was your influence? And, like, or were they just in your mind and they popped out on... They pretty much just popped out on me. I think the first time they had the conversation where he called her Nymphadora and she told him not to or she'd curse him or whatever she said, I was like, oh, I get this relationship. (laughs) And then I sat sat down and I thought, okay, he's like 13 years older. His best friend was her mother's favorite cousin. They would know each other. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went back and the first thing that I wrote with them was obviously not a shipping fic. It was when she was five years old and uh, the marauders go over to her house um, Mm -hmm. and they they charm all her dolls and she just adores all of them, especially her Mr. Lupin who makes her a metamorphic doll. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember uh, that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it just kind of went from there and I started to to kind of feel the way I felt them to be together and it kind of worked out because I wrote it before Half-Blood Prince came out. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. some stuff that fits pretty well, actually. My favorite thing about re- reading the stories, I could read the Potter books and going on at the same time. Like, I can go like from chapter to chapter. I'm like, oh, this is where we're at in the book, and this is where I'm at in this book. And <laughs> I was just, like, all giddy and happy. And yeah. It, you stuck to canon, but the thing is, it's still out of the realm. And that's what I liked about it. Good. I, I will these... say that in my teddy verse, uh, Greyback escaped from Azkaban last Friday. <laughs> Oh, really? Wow. Oh, I have to go back and read that one. That I think that one of all yeah. of them. Granted, Did somebody I give just, me her fan, her um live journal. Yes. 
<laughs> I just, by the way, because you guys were talking about how hard it was to follow that, I, I did actually put up a sequence of readable chapters that you can just go through on the oh. third one, and I'm, I'm working my way through the rest. I saw that, and I didn't know that we, we, we inspired that, but thank you. It was still okay, though. <laughs> I think it is his third year when Greyback ex- escapes. I think that one was probably my favorite of the te- Teddy verse. I like. The Needle's Eye. I need to reread it again in context because I was reading it as you posted it. So uh-huh. I got the little chunks. So I really want to kind of read it through again as just sort of a, you know, as a, a complete story to, to catch the nuances that you, you do so well at putting in, by the way. So. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I need to read them at all. I was going to go through and read all the rest of them after we finished that series, and then I've got distracted with the other stuff that we've been covering. So I only knew there was only one. Sorry. <laughs> no, I think that's the only one that's on Sugar Quill, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, they, they that's where I up fa- the quills. That's where I first found you was on Sugar Quill. Yeah, is they there... it up between first and second studies. So okay, mm-hmm. it, is Sugar Quill not posting anything anymore? Or right, right. They're okay. not posting anything anymore. Yeah, they leave it open for people to to read what's there, but they're not taking any new. Gotcha. Uh, well, that explains why I can't find anything anymore. Okay. Yeah. Kushi, mm-hmm. yeah. your link's in the chat. I just found it. Thank you. <laughs> Someone's you may not be productive <laughs> for the rest no. of the week. You may not go read during the interview. <laughs> okay. Bottom <laughs> line there. <laughs> so mean. I know. Oh, it's a, yeah. look how many more they are than, than I'm, what I'm used to. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we made Trisha's month. There we go. I am taking a car trip down to Atlanta so I got a 13 hour caller trip guess what's going to be put on my Kindle (laughs) (laughs) cool (laughs) yeah I'm a freak of nature I know it (laughs) that's alright I think we all are to some extent do you guys have other questions I I don't have book questions well I have a few but I Um, have other kinds of questions too so we'll go through this sorry Sue I had a question. Of the Teddyverse friends, I guess as you want to call it, who's your favorite? Like, who do you have a soft spot for, you know, after writing that whole arc? Hmm. Probably Ruthless, who wasn't even a planned character. So, um, <laughs> She's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, somebody wrote in the comments, uh, you know, he could be friends with someone in a different year in Gryffindor. So I said, okay, I'll just pop in a, a second year and... There she is, and she turned out to be part of a character I'd used in an original story a while back, and I, I always liked her, and she just kind of popped up, and she functioned really well there. Mm-hmm. I, have I also say, like Morris. Yeah, I have to say, she redeemed the entire Scribdower family for me. <laughs> <In> like, <laughs> you know, her and her brothers were just so amusing that they they redeemed Rufus Scribdower and his awfulness in... <laughs> in yeah. Half Blood Prince and in, in Deathly Hallows, so she she was a very yeah. huge redeeming factor, and she was so funny and awesome, and you know such a very <laughs> strong female character that we get a lot, but it's nice to see other ones as well. Good. Mm-hmm. And that was part of what was going to be my question: is where do the various the supporting characters, the rest of the Forest Guard, come from? Did you? come up with them just on the fly or did you have some ideas about them already or well frankie pre-existed from shifts he was born during shifts but uh the others i (laughs) i used to take the bus home from work when i lived in boston and i just stopped one time at a 
I think it was a pizzeria uno sat down and wrote Teddy's class list and what everybody was going to be like wow. <laughs> and who was in what house and <laughs> and the rest of them they kind of woke up as I started writing them. Danza was originally intended to be very kind of obnoxious, um, not a bad person, but very sort of annoying, and he just didn't work out that way. <laughs> I'm so glad he didn't because of Teddy's friends. He he is my favorite because yeah. he shows that. Because what was I reading? I just read, like, the introduction to the sorting for, like, the main characters. So you had McGonagall and you had Dumbledore and and Voldemort and and the Marauders and things like that. And the McGonagall Mm -hmm. one, the Ravenclaws were so uptight. And he just is the anti-uptight Ravenclaw. He's smart, he's into books, but he's still cool. Because you have to be cool to be a rock star. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But he's a cool nerd. (laughs) Yeah. But aren't we all? Yes, of course. (laughs) I know that you replied this to me in one of our posts back and forth, but will you talk about Teddy's dream when he follows Checkmate into the nursery? Yeah, this is something he doesn't understand for quite a while. He dreams at that point that he goes into his nursery and he sees his mother there by the crib and she kind of reaches over and touches him and then she looks at the table and then disappears. And whereas, yeah, that's partly a dream. Um, Like Dumbledore said, just because it's in your head doesn't mean it wasn't real. And what that was, was as she died, she did not want to leave. And she was grabbing hold of everything. And of course, the thing she's most attached to is Teddy. And just for that instant, she was pulled back into the nursery. And when she looked over at the table, she realized that the wands weren't there. And she realized it was real, uh, that it wasn't a dream. And that's when she was able to leave. But at that point, she touched Teddy. And that's why he has the kind of clairvoyance that he has, the connection to the dead that he has. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah, he doesn't find that out until his fifth year. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is the fifth year one, that's the one where he's in the forest and he gets a certain thing? Yeah, that would be the okay. one. I don't want to spoil things for the future, but I that was sheer brilliance. Like, when I read that, I was like, oh my god, you just tied everything together and... <laughs> Sorry, I I am just in awe of how you took a lot of the little things that J.K. always did, and you incorporated some of them and brought them forward and added your own, and it was just like stepping into the world that we're sort of just dealing with right now, you know, is sort of leaving us, and it was just like this whole new world, but it was sort of familiar, and it was sort of the same, but there's all these new people and new personalities that we get to know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I admire J.K. Rowling and wanted to try to do that. So, I think you did, but that, that's Thank one you. person's humble opinion. <laughs> yeah, it, it all fits in very well, which is impressive. So. Thanks. We just did our reactions to the movie, and mm-hmm. we had two authors on the line with us when we did it. And one of the authors was talking about how you immerse yourself into these characters and once you're immersed into them, then you're writing the same as like JKR would because you have soaked up so much of it. And that's something that I see in you as well, that you've really soaked up these characters. You've soaked up how she, she writes and, and that it really comes out in your writing. And so, yeah. Well, thanks. That's what I was trying to do. Um, well, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With a character who doesn't even get named in the movie. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it would have yeah. been so fun to have a little baby with the color-changing hair. Yeah. Uh, Although, I'm, you know, I'm sure the special effects people would have had fun with that. I was just kind of like, I'm like, okay, I was accepting that they're not even going to say anything about Teddy. And then all of a sudden, it's like Harry just blurts it out. I'm like, 
Harry, when the hell did you find out? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I just posted that on my live journal in a friend's post. I'm like, what? How did that work? Yeah. yeah. Either skip him or don't skip him. I have to say, though, um, the scene with Remus and Kingsley, when Remus pops off with this line, and he's like, Kingsley's like, who said that? I just did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah very Dumbledore-esque. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's, it's something about, it's not number of wands, but the quality of, of the person behind it, or something to that extent. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's yeah. a pretty good thing. Yeah. So, what did well, you I- think of the movie? Well, well, we're sort of on that tangent. <laughs> um, that tangent. I think it had a couple of good moments, and I think they made a lot of very strange choices. I really yeah. liked that they had the Malfoys actually physically walk away from the battle. That wouldn't I have like worked that. in Harry's point of view, but that was an improvement there. And I also kind of liked the little radio they had in the room of requirement, uh, as opposed to the coins. <laughs> the man <laughs> struck. <laughs> Yeah, lightning yeah. has struck. There's a new weather report. It's like, that's kind of amazing. And it was a nice yeah. nod to the Potter watch that they yeah. never even mentioned. So, yeah. 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 I missed other Potter than watch. Say, other than them saying, oh, yes, this is a person that yeah. dies. This person died. This person died. This person died. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, that's not yeah. how this goes. <laughs> We're supposed to have Romulus and what was Kingsley's thing? Lynx. Royal for King. Royal, yeah. Royal, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I kind of missed having Potter Watch because, you know, I played with Potter Watch a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I can see some of the decisions. Uh, Other ones, like the way they they did the random drop of Teddy's name. You know, if you're going to go that far and skip their entire story, can't you at least let them live at the end? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you're going to go that far. Give grown-ups some hope. <laughs> but then yeah. you wouldn't have torn at the heartstrings of having them laying side by side with their hands almost touching. I know. Have I'm we... just like, what's the point? I mean, don't you think that you, you got them from wherever they were or some kind of bridge or whatever they were at? Mm-hmm. And yes, I know they were trying to touch hands at that time. But still, mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't their hands be like on their chest like everybody else? Yeah, or, you know, if they're going to stretch their hands out, the people who are laying them out, couldn't the people laying them out have let them hold hands? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. That didn't make sense. Yeah. That would have been a nice parallel, actually, but... Yeah. Oh, well. In um, 10 or 15 years, there's going to be people who were fans at this point making another series of movies, I think. Yeah. It'd well, be fun a great cast, though. I love this cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Radcliffe is awesome. Um, uh, Tom Felton. Oh, yeah. I, I just, yeah, I, I like them all. They're especially Maggie Smith. Oh, um, Maggie you know. Smith was excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was yeah. Maggie and Neville's movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. They did. Oh, no. But no, of course, they, they replaced Snape. Neville's really like entertaining response to, to Voldemort with a, a long and boring speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can't have everything. Yeah. So, what house would you be in? Uh, well, probably Gryffindor. But uh, there, there's a good chance of Hufflepuff too. Yay! Hufflepuff. We're all Gryffindor. Oh well, Trisha's a Slitherpuff. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Slitherpuff. That that's a rare one. <laughs> um, I'm really a Hufflepuff through and through, but I just kind of yeah, it's yeah. I love Snape. Yeah. yeah. I'm re- really curious as to how the sorting's going to go with Pottermore because you know we're all going to get sorted, and I really oh, <gasps> we are. Yeah. yeah. JKR has written a whole series of new questions to ask, and you answer them, and you'll get a, a sorting. 
I am still going to be a Hufflepuff. And well, I want to be a Hufflepuff. You know, before I came to, to PFW, I really thought I was a Ravenclaw, but I have, have understood that I, I was a Hufflepuff deep down, and it just makes so much more sense now. I'm so happy that I'm a Hufflepuff, so. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I am happy to be a Hufflepuff. I just like to blame. Well, being <laughs> by the, like the kitchen does, isn't a bad thing either, so. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they don't have to sneak as far as the Gryffindors. <laughs> yeah, you write a lot about the Hufflepuffs, so I wondered if maybe Hufflepuff would, would have been your house. So that's kind of why I asked Yeah, yeah I, I do. Uh, I like them a lot. <laughs> we we'll have, have a very the, yeah, extensive the, sorting yeah. test. Yeah. Butterfic Weekly sorting quiz thing. <laughs> I don't know who first found that. It's it wasn't I don't think actually made by anyone from Butterfic Weekly, but it's a hundred and some question quiz and yeah. based on actual personality tests like the Myers Briggs tests and things like yeah. that. Yeah, so, you need an hour or so to go through it. Or if you've uh-huh. taken it so many times you know what the questions are. Yeah. <laughs> and I even try to cheat and I still end up being a Hufflepuff, so that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's the only one I know who's taken it more than once. But well, I've just sent it to you. So if you ever oh, cool. get bored one day and you have a couple extra hours, feel free. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't take. Oh, I've hour. always had a couple extra hours to get sorted. <laughs> oh, Fern, you did a mini challenge like last week or the week before. Uh-huh. The the make McGonagall happy one. It like made me cry before I saw the movie and particularly after I saw the movie. You just hit it spot on. And it had Oliver Wood in it, which is just that much better. So <laughs> well, gotta have some Oliver. Yes. Of uh, course. And I'd mentioned in one of the Jane stories that he had a daughter named Minerva, so I thought why not? <laughs> there you go. You actually inspired me to do a drabble with the Neville one getting a job. So, oh, yeah, cool. I have drabbled Neville. Oh, there you go. You'll have to show it to Jules, too. So, Fern, I know a little bit of how who ends up with who in, in the future, but when you were writing Forest Guard, did you have any idea that's where it was going? Uh, with the pairings? Yes. Well, I obviously knew Teddy and Victoire. <laughs> yes. But I knew Frankie and Tinny. Beyond that, I think Quirky and Honoria I knew. Mm-hmm. The others I was just kind of messing around with to see where they landed. Okay. Yeah, because I hadn't read all of your drab, like your, your drabbles and your ficlets and your challenges and things like that. And so I was caught off guard by one in particular with how Ruthless ends up. And I was like, <laughs> okay, okay, I can handle that. But it just totally, I was like, is that out of left field? So I hope that as you continue these series, it'll, it'll all circle back around and make sense. <laughs> Eventually, I, I thought about that. The only thing I had was with the particular uh, particular person she ends up with named her cat. Um, but uh, that, that's really about the only hint at that point, because otherwise it would be kind of inappropriate. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, speaking of cats, in the first podcast that we did, we spent quite a bit of time talking about pets. Mm-hmm. And names for pets that went along with Harry Potter themes. And it made me wonder if you had a pet and if they were named in some sort of Harry Potter way. I have a pet. She's sitting on my lap right now. She's actually named from the Warriors series of books, though. Her name is Cinderpelt. She's a uh, cat. Cinderpelt is the wise medicine cat of Thunderclan. Think Gryffindor for cats. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Mostly I just call her Cindy, which is weird because that's also my boss's name. That would be weird. Had the cat first. <laughs> Doesn't quite uh, roll off the tongue the same way as uh, Martian Potter, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I'm better at naming fictional animals. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... I think it really works probably better. Most people would look a little strangely at Martian Sea Monster Potter. <laughs> There's a whole string of names. It's not more it's more than that, isn't it, Fern? It's Martian Sea Monster Potter it's like six names, isn't it? No, it's just Martian Sea Monster Potter. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm sure James adds it's Lily who has the doll with six or seven names. Oh right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. All of them taken off the tapestry. Um. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. Trisha, did you have other questions? Um, I can't you think. had a whole list. Well, like, they had, it had to do with the other stories. Not with the... We'll have to come back again and do another interview, and then I can just go... <laughs> then I can go really, really, really okay, crazy. Skype work by then. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> since I haven't read all the Teddyverse ones, I'm a little... Lexidaisy, I don't know. Not lexidaisical. I don't know. Find someone, find a word and insert it there. <laughs> um, what is like your typical writing style? Because I know, I think if I read correctly, when you did a clue in the cauldron, it was the the National Novel Writing Month. So it seemed like oh. you were writing every day, but like for for the rest of them, like do you plan it out? Do you kind of go by the seat of your pants? Yeah. Well, with the Teddy stories, the first two I did every day because those were just waiting to be written. Clue in the Cauldron wasn't really a nano. It was sort of, well, I started to do nano, but it's not working, so I'm going to write some fanfic instead. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the the later two Teddies were much slower. I did have a plan through most of Forest Guard and all of Hunter's Moon. Hunter's Moon was plotted out all the way from the start. I, and I, I used to laugh because somebody kept saying, Greyback needs to die in a fire. And I'm like, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. No, that was, I was stunned and not that he died because you wanted him to die, but I was like, huh, like you really made me like sit back at my desk chair at work. I was like, really? That's just interesting. Like and the whole thing of, of how he ends up being killed. I, I was just like, wow, that's just a really interesting little piece of magic that, <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing, that yeah. that whole idea of, I was going to be able to say it until you said that's how he got killed, so I don't know if I can get around this or not, but the whole idea that there is a way to stop yourself in the flu and just kind of hang out in there, or a way to go into the flu and clean it, is just amazing to me, and to come up with that idea was just awesome. Oh, thanks. I wasn't sure how exactly I was going to do it. Um, I knew kind of the shape of it, but uh, I, I went back about halfway through and read what I'd rewritten or read what I'd written before, which is what I usually do about halfway through. And I noticed that Teddy had been thinking about that, and I said, "Aha! That's how I'm going to do it." So <laughs> I have so, to say, um, so at that point, from, he, he met Curly. <laughs> yeah, from Hunter's Moon because I read that one first, and I'm in the middle of Shades right now. Greyback's just an evil little SOB. I mean, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Greyback? Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I, you get that from the books, but he's just that foil of evil. Like, you don't get into his psyche. And, like, I am just, like, he is He is just, like, Bellatrix and Umbridge and that evil, evil, evil. Like, I've always thought that, like, you know, Bellatrix and Umbridge are the evil that you know and that you can see, but, like, Voldemort's sort of that evil that 
you can't always see and that you want to, you know, you want to eradicate, but like Umbridge is more like the evil that you're going to come up against and it's real. Mm-hmm. And like Bellatrix is like the, the character, but he's sort of that psychological evil that it just makes you feel creepy. But there are people out there like that. And that, I think mm-hmm. that's what makes it creepier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Voldemort is to some extent a circumstantial villain, like things occurred to make him the way he is. He obviously had his choices and took them, and a lot of them were the wrong ones, but Greyback deliberately sets out to be as savage as he possibly can. That's his aim. Voldemort, you get the impression he's just trying to protect himself or something of the sort and goes a little too far and tips over the edge and then things fall into all sorts of problems. But Tom Riddle didn't wake up in sixth year and go, you know what, I think I'm going to be a dark wizard and go for it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he's like, I want to be the most powerful wizard, which right into, yeah, fame and power and all that. I haven't worked much with Tom. Yeah. Fern, if you could get like any more backstory, you know, with Pottermore coming out or if JK, you know, release anything, who do you want to know about and why? And how would that influence what you've written or what you want to write in fanfiction? Um, well, I, I kind of want to not get any more backstory on the characters I write a lot. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> don't want to be wrong. But, we can just totally ignore it and just go with what you have. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. I, I did that with Bill's family. <laughs> I was going through fixing the others, and I'm thinking there's no way I can change Bill's family. It's just too integrated. Yeah. But let's see. I might like to know more about what's going on with Percy and the Weasleys. I might like to know more about them, mm-hmm. where they come from, and stuff. When you I want to when, see if we ever get anything with any the second cousin who's yeah. an accountant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I found, I was really doing my research. I was looking at a lot of your old stuff too. And there is a, I forget what it's called, but it was sort of like the plot was how the Weasleys began to hate the Malfoys. Holy cow. Yeah, that is a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Blood in the earth. Yeah. Yes. It is a brilliant concept. And, and I'm sorry that you abandoned it, but I, I started to read it. I was like, God, like this is something that you could really see how. <laughs> There's this long-standing tradition of these two families, like it's the Capulets and the Montagues, and they hate each other. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't coming together as a story. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I definitely think they go way back. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And that particular story, it was to the Norman invasion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was sort of referenced in Andromeda's book, but. Oh, okay. The, okay. The, the Malfoy. Well, we know there's. Norman, or at least French at some point, roots just because of their name. And you wonder how that could possibly have happened because, well, JK likes to have her ironic names, and but you can't imagine anybody going along and, hmm, it's time for me to have a last name. I think I'll call myself Bad Faith. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it must have come from somewhere, you know. Mm-hmm. I kind of like all those little yeah. working around sort of internal consistency things. When you write, how do you start the story? Do you, like, get a certain idea and then you try to bloom from that? Or do you get, like, I know, like, some people, I know, for me, I'm more of a technical writer myself. Well, tell you the truth, I'm not a writer at all. But I have to put things into it, like, in an outline to organize my thoughts. Or you just kind of just... It's kind of different from story to story. Okay. I think a lot of the times they'll start with 
your general idea, like with the first Teddy, and like, I want to show Teddy having a good year. The second one had a very specific idea. The third one, I was just like, what can I do with Teddy this year? I really want to write another Teddy. So I just started out with him getting ready for Neville's wedding and kind of tried to figure out from there. And I wanted him to be his own worst enemy that year. The problem with the Teddy stories, of course, is that there's no ongoing enemy. Mm-hmm. Eh, sometimes yeah. the people's worst enemy is their themselves. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that Teddy is definitely his own worst enemy a lot of times. But it shows that, at least from what, what I've gotten, Harry, like, you know, in that orphan tale, has always had a direct enemy. But Teddy doesn't. Teddy's has a loving family, you know, a loving, supportive, extended family. And so it kind of gets to the point of, well, my life is actually pretty good, but I still have these awful feelings because my parents aren't here and, and they should be here. And so you're right. He makes his own worst enemy. But the Didlius deal. How do you say that? Sorry. The, the fifth one, the maze one. Didlius maze. <laughs> yeah. Didlius maze. I, I mean, it was still a great way to give him a, something to fight against you know it's just an interesting thing that happens in the wizarding world i I thought it was actually kind of interesting yeah but with shifts and shades obviously i was just like well let's uh, take a point of view and do something else and what could they be doing during that year so uh then i just go back and forth with the timeline on the lex and see what i can fit in Mm. (laughs) did you start with those and teddy just sort of grew out of that because you'd been writing them so long or did you plans to write teddy stories I had initially planned to go straight on to the seventh one, which is safe, but I couldn't do it because I couldn't logically make a character arc for people who just randomly die in the middle of a battle. And that was just making me more and more angry, and I just switched to Teddy stories and figured I will just use Teddy to tell whatever I need to tell about what happened to them. Mm-hmm. But yes, of course, it was because I was writing them for so long. Yeah. I'd been writing them forever. It's interesting looking at our list of things we have covered and are going to cover. Teddy seems to feature a fair amount. So I guess he's sort of wormed his way into being one of our favorite characters as well. So. Pretty good for a character who's only seen in a photograph changing his hair color. <laughs> it's because you can do almost anything with him, I guess. Yeah. And because people are attached to Remus and Tonks. Like, um, yeah. One of the other ones we're going to cover this season is... Teddy, as an adult working in the Department of Mysteries, works out how to use the veil to view the past, or that's one of the things that the Department of Mysteries does. And so he spends a whole whack of time watching that last battle and seeing his parents, and then things sort of go on from there, and he comes up with clever plans. Yeah, Yeah, I have him also in the Department of Mysteries, and uh, he ends up rescuing Regulus. Oh, well, there you go. One. Yeah, he and James go back and they're like, well, Creature just saw him go under the water and no one ever found him, so. Let's see what we can do about this. Yeah, this can be played with. Um, yes. He really is Stubby Boardman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the needle's eye, I think that it struck a chord in how. I'm trying not to give it away, but, you know, try to explain it. It struck a chord on how perceptions have changed, can change and how what everyone fought for might not actually be what's turning out in society because of everything that happened or how things were restructured. Was that something that you had planned? Was it something that you wanted to write about Teddy again so you needed a foil or was this something that you knew well, might come about? I had written 
just in a drabble, sort of a far future idea where another dark wizard had, had risen, and that was Joss. And I guess I've always kind of historically been fascinated with stuff like the Reign of Terror and, uh, you know, counter-revolutionary, you know, cultural revolution, things like that. And I'm also trying not to be too specific. And kind of what was going on in Needle's Eye is the beginning of something that will eventually snowball into something bigger. Uh, so I did know, I mean, you noticed how obnoxious Joff was in the first one, and Teddy never actually gets to see him in any more detail because Teddy doesn't want to see him in any more detail. But, yeah, but it that, gets that worse in all the rest of the story. So, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And the reason why I asked that is because one of your... What was that? What was that? So, she had to go somewhere, so who knows what that was. In one of your challenge calls, you have Draco and Scorpius talking, and it was just kind of like a, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen in the future. So, <laughs> yeah. In those where you give little snippets of the future, I think you wet the, the appetite of all of your fans, because you just really, you make us think of what could be coming now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're kind of reminding me of... Recently, I've been reading the Miles Vorkosigan series. I don't know if you've heard of them or not. They're a, they're a sci-fi sort of space opera series with various other things. But one of the common quotes from the author on how she works out things to do in the books is she says, she looks at a character and says, what's the worst thing I could do to this person? And then does it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. And just makes the plot work from there, kind of. The premise... <laughs> behind Miles Vorkosigan, just for those of you who are interested, is that he's a his mother was attacked while he was in the womb and he's therefore born crippled in a highly militaristic society and every boy wants to go join the military academy and he just has all this trouble because he's barely past five feet tall and everyone else is six foot three or whatever and all of this stuff so he was the worst thing that could happen to his father from the first (laughs) book that she wrote and then from there things have just sort of gone on and she has this giant series with him now but i think it was orson scott card who wrote uh that you pick your point of view character by figuring out who's going to be in the most pain okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh there are definitely some fanfics that go that way yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Personally, I do true. like my happy endings, though. So. Yeah, I like happy endings, too. But they feel so much better after you've been through a bunch. That's true. Mm-hmm. They worked for them, not just yeah. giving it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can work for it. So, would you say in the off years for your Teddy series that nothing eventful happened? Yeah, I would say that. I think pretty much they're just having some fun and enjoying their school years during those times. I don't know why it's every other year, but. It works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There always be yeah. some one shots in there every now and then or something. Yeah, I'm sure they have their little dramas. Like, I guess, uh, fourth year, Teddy dated both Lizzie and, and Laura, and mm-hmm. there was a big drama there, but. <laughs> oh. Typical man. Teddy was quite yeah. the ladies' man, whether he realized it or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty Go clueless, ahead. but. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not quite like Harry, where he has somebody trying to attack him every year. So you know, right? <laughs> there, no, there is every that other impetus to have things always happening. Right. Yeah, and it, it's kind of nice too because one of the things you wanted with Harry is can't they just ever have a normal year? So you know, <laughs> yeah. I think I know. Um, we do canonically have all as well. So 
Yeah. You know everything eventually works out. <laughs> yeah. I have to say the arc that I enjoyed the most was seeing um, Honoria grow up. Yeah. Because she's the, the Malfoy of their first year, and she changes. I feel like she changed for the better as the series went on, and I actually tolerated her and then, you know, sort of liked her towards the end and could respect what she'd gone through and everything like that. So it, do you have any, like, comments of, of how you developed her or did you mean to push her in that way or it just the way the stories fell? Well, when I was writing the first one and uh, particularly towards the end when she goes into the forest and Teddy sends her to go do something and I didn't quite know what she was going to be like. I knew that because I'd written a, a future story uh, that she ended up with Corky and uh, the others still didn't like her that much. But I didn't really realize she was really going to reform until she tried to help, until she tried to actually stun the red cap. And then she's like, oh, I could help you. I could help you. And Teddy's just annoyed and he sends her off. But for her, that was a huge moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when she decides she's going to be a different person. But it doesn't, you know, Teddy doesn't get that for a really, really long time. Um, but she she really does try, and I think she makes a conscious decision to grow up. Mm-hmm. And it worked for him not to get that, because that's what sometimes becomes a problem in Draco-centered fics. If you've had him being the annoying antagonist for three years, and then in the middle of fourth year somewhere, he decides he's going to be their friends, and Harry's like, okay. You sort of go, no, no. wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no. Teddy so. does not forget or forgive all that easily. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, I think you, so too. You write children very well. Do you work with children, have children of your own and stuff? I mean, or just... I'm a children's librarian. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> children's librarian and young adults. And yeah, I spend a lot of time with them. So They're <laughs> so much fun. fun. <laughs> they are. You know, I once saw a t-shirt, it's like, hire a teenager while they still know everything. <laughs> <laughs> So true. <laughs> it is. And I love them for that. I mean, they're, they're great. So older children then? I do spend more time with older kids. Uh, I mean, I do story time with younger kids, but, you know, they're with their parents and that's who they interact with. The older kids come in and they interact with me. So mm-hmm. You're writing uh, for, like, the that they are 11 in at the Forest Guard. You really, you got them. And, and it is a test to, to that you being a, a children's librarian you had their tone and their their fears and, and, and all of that was really well written that I don't think that if I even wanted to think about writing at that children's level, I would probably write them to adult. So I, I think that you really hit the nail on the head of what an 11-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 17-year-old are like. And then the other thing I would ask is, is being, you know, a young adult librarian what other, you know, other books, you know, in, in a little bit of a tangent here, do you find or do you like? Like, what what have you read recently that has really just struck your fancy? I'm adoring Percy Jackson. Um, I love him, too. I can't wait for the new book to come out. I know. Sorry. Yay, October. <laughs> I know. The first chapter is up. <laughs> yeah. I have to read those sometime. I haven't yet, yeah. but a number of people have said they're really good. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, a lot of people are always oh, on. He's another Harry Potter. He's not. You know, he's not another Harry Potter. But he's, you know, the first Percy Jackson, and that's good. Um, that's yeah. perfectly fine. No, I like I like this new series because it's like they took the best way to describe it is that if J.K. Rowling decided to take Harry Potter and flip it on its head and just turn around and like then start all over again, like it really works. But then again, with Greek mythology and now with Roman mythology, it works. 
So yeah. I'm really excited to see what he does with um, Son of Neptune. Yeah, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I've, I've always been interested in mythology things, so I think it would be a good series to pick up and look at. Yeah, it yeah is really he, he does series. Greek pretty well. Yeah. He gets the Greek mindset. Did you like the um, the Pyramid series? I couldn't get through the I haven't the read the Pyramid series. I, I read the first chapter, and it wasn't really engaging to me. But Mm-mm. Did you read The Hunger Games? No, every time I think about it, it's out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's supposed to be perks to being the librarian. You're supposed to get your hands on them first. <laughs> hey, I got my hands on uh, Bethany Hallows first. Oh, <laughs> you're yeah, one of those people? <laughs> no, not, not, not by much, just the day before because it was in and we'd had a contest. Uh-huh. Like, um, if you can predict you know, these following questions, you'll get your name in a drawing for a prize. And of course I had to find out the answers to the questions. Of course you did. (laughs) (laughs) And everything else. It was totally, totally professional. Yes. Very work related. Um, Yes. Well, we had this huge party and and it was, uh, that's the nice thing about my job. (laughs) It really is work related. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, we were giving away wands and we had a riddling contest. And just this last Friday, when the movie opened, there was a party at another branch, and I spent all night reading tarot cards for people. <laughs> so, oh, fun. Yeah. So I, I was going to ask this earlier when we were asking about your writing technique, and I was wondering, do you have to have something special when you write? Like, do you write in longhand? Do you write on the computer? Do you have to have music in the background? Is there a special place you have to be? I tend to write at my computer and uh, directly with the live with, with the HTML tags into my live journal, and I'll catch myself in other places sticking HTML tags in. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's handwriting, you know, pointy bracket I. I'm like, oh no, I don't need that. I don't have any real real rituals. But I always tend to write late at night. I can't seem to write in the morning, um, and I spend half the time getting my cat off my hands. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's anti-literary. I feel like there was a scene with Checkmate who was, kept pawing at Teddy. So I feel like that was life imitating art or art imitating life. Oh, yeah. Checkmate is very much like Cindy. Um, we I have... got her about the time I started. So. Aha. Just yeah. added uh, Kelly to this call. So there is a new person here, just so you know. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hello. Kelly! By coincidence, we were just talking about pets. So there you go. <laughs> well, mine's prostrate on the floor at the moment. So Good place. Yeah. I don't worry. To... Mine was attacking my cords. I yeah. had to shoo her away. I don't remember who exactly brought Teddy Lupin and the Forest Guard to the attention of Potterfic Weekly. I do remember reading it as you were posting it in Sugar Quill many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think my two favorite parts are I actually felt so sorry for Teddy being the only Gryffindor. That just <laughs> that just killed me. And then yeah. the other one was when the map was showing the different things that belong to Harry and the one in the forest. And I thought, oh, my God, it's the Resurrection Stone. <laughs> yeah, and Harry definitely did not want anyone finding that. No. <laughs> Yeah. So I think those were my favorite two parts of the of the story, actually. <laughs> yeah. Can I interject one minute here, Kelly? Yes. Pittsburgh's doing amazing this year. Shut up. Hi. <laughs> Hell has frozen over. Just, just, just to let en- you know. <laughs> enjoy it while it lasts because it's not going to last. Hey. This is the first year we could say 
Yeah, our team sucks, but we got a nice stadium. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the first year in how many years that you've actually been above 500? I rest my case. Well, that's the old, that is the All right, children. Year, just to stay above 500. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting to talk to you about this for weeks. I'm like, I know. I have to talk to Kelly. Sorry, we had to get on our sports tangent. Baseball tangent. That's okay. That's okay. Is baseball okay? Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say, and now you know why we don't stay on topic at all during the <laughs> podcast. That's okay. Topic? We don't need no stinking topic. Topic. Yeah, you should hear the hockey season. Mm. Yeah, that's okay. I love it when the commenters on Love on uh, Live Journal go way way off topic. So we've had them go off like talking about bodily functions and magic and. All sorts of bizarre things. And I love that. I'll participate in that too. <laughs> well, yeah, we that's true. Had... People in fic rarely go to the bathroom, so you know. Well, yeah. we had fix. There was one that we actually reviewed that had a urine dissipating spell or something like that. It was like, <laughs> ooh, okay. Well, that makes sense, but ooh, anyway. Yeah. I think that came up in um, in the third year story when Grayback had peed all over stuff, and they're like, "Can you use this? Can you just track him?" <laughs> Mm-hmm. I need that for my basement. Get rid of those smells. Uh, cats for the dog. Cats. Uh-huh. The dog's good. The stray cat found the hole in my screen last night and slept with me all night. You'll you'll have to excuse me if you hear any strange noise. Okay. Like, in the background because it's ninety five degrees. Yeah in here <laughs> and I don't have air conditioning except for upstairs and I've got fans on in the other rooms but I don't have the one in here on so I don't sound like yeah. a thunderstorm the whole time right just a we little warm that. yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty hot here too probably yeah. not quite the same we're supposed to be in the low hundreds all week yeah. that's comforting to know I have to be in Kansas City next weekend you have questions for fur actually I don't I'm sorry okay. You what did do you remind think, me, though, what about do you think that, of, um, the, of the fandom and the craziness up to you know up to now. I I, I love the fandom. It, it's crazy. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with crazy. <laughs> Everyone's at least a little crazy. Sure. <laughs> at least I like to think and so. Anyway, really boring. <laughs> right. Yeah. Have you had any anybody say no, no, you're doing it all wrong? What do you hell do you think you're doing? Uh I think I definitely had a couple of people like, oh, no, you've got the wrong names for the Weasley, for Bill's children. I'm like, yes, but I wrote them before she did. (laughs) 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 Uh, Nowhere near as much in Potter as I did when I was doing Star Wars because I deliberately was ignoring all the books. (laughs) Good God, Star Wars, how could you keep track of everybody? Good grief. I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, they had the Mary Sue's in the EU, so. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. It could be on an anti-Mary Sue uh, forum, and we all wrote cage matches, which, like, Aunt Beru defeated Mara Jade. and <laughs> Wow. Takes the hell out of her. Um, kind of interesting, considering she's, you know, dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are fantasy so, cage matches. Right. <laughs> yes. Fantasy inside fantasy cage matches. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's good. I mean, I've talked to people where they've started writing fanfic, fan, fanfic, fanfic in a in an established universe, and everybody has jumped on them saying, "No, no, you can't do that to this character." And it's like, um, I'm writing in my own section of the universe, and you don't have to read it if you don't want to. But 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure the, that there are, are people who don't like the way I do a character, and that's fine. That's that, that's their thing, and but I just haven't heard from them a lot, and that's, that's also fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, no, I was uh, at a Quantum Leap convention once, and one of the authors, Ashley McConnell. Uh, oh God, Ashley McConnell. <laughs> Kept writing to her and talking about how she had the wrong color on the walls in the waiting room. Yeah. And she's like, they got budgeted for a can of paint, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's not just fanfic writers who... No, it's pro writers too, yeah. Yeah. The time. Yeah. Do you want to be a pro writer? <laughs> well... I actually did have one of the Quantum Leap novels with mine. That's what I was doing at the con. So I, I'm sort of a pro writer, but yeah, I would definitely like to go full-time pro. That would be which, really nice. Which one were you? Odyssey, where he leaps into the early 80s playing Odyssey of the Mind, and he's wrapped in a, a sheet. <laughs> I have to look that. I've got, I have all of them. Okay. I was a Quantum Leap fan. Yeah, I've gotten better as a writer since then. (laughs) (laughs) I've improved significantly. Melanie Ron was a big favorite of mine, and she wrote another one of the novels. Yeah, sure. Nights of the Morning Star. Mm -hmm. And that was the one where you always have the line, you know, do you watch Star Trek and... The, the character said, I wouldn't trust anybody who didn't. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So, wow. That's that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the old... I just gave away my real name, didn't I? Oh, well. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> if people want to go and research and look up, I guess. Yeah. Oops. It's not a big state secret. I, I've shown up at cons before, so... Mm-hmm. But this, it, it was the... Old Potterfic Weekly host, uh, Ryan, who's actually hosting this call that brought up Star Trek every yeah. episode. So <laughs> yeah. we, we don't quite have as much quite Star Trek, episode. but yeah. when we started out, we were peons and we were the next generation. So we do have ah. a little Star Trek with us. Mm-hmm. Our yeah. group tends to be more about sports and <laughs> <laughs> We only talk By about group, sports you you in summertime. <laughs> It has to be summertime for us to talk about sports. No, we talk about no, hockey, too. No, that would be you talking about hockey. I just go, my team sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the first year where we can go, our team doesn't suck. I, <laughs> I love that I'm the Canadian, and yet they're the ones who go on the hockey tangents all the time. It's Fur would be like hockey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not especially, but I, I'm from Buffalo, so I'll root for the Sabres when they're doing that. No! <laughs> I'm with the Bills, but uh, oh. no. life, I'm, I'm from Boston. So. so there's not much else to do in Pittsburgh besides hey. football. Hey. <laughs> no, no, be kind. I I run run away. Buffalo on steroids, so when Buffalo's not in, I root Pittsburgh. Hey. Good girl. Be accepted. <laughs> You've just redeemed yourself. I thought you were going to lose a fangirl over that for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a reason also why being Hufflepuff is awesome when you live in Pittsburgh. Because you never have to think about your colors. They're always black and gold. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. The thing is, I can wear my black and gold scarf, even though I made it for Hufflepuff. Not everybody knows about Harry Potter. Which is a shame. Yeah. Uh, They're like, oh, you got your Steeler scarf on. I'm like, yeah. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's really Harry Potter, but I'm just going to go with it. Not tell everybody. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> not that so, I'm, I have a big old um, shirt that says Muggle on it, but still. Yeah. Well, so Kelly, Karen, your your two favorite parts reminded me about that whole function of the map where he got to find various different things and 
that was something I really liked. Generally, it was a very original idea. Yeah. Of, uh, and the fact that not all of them were significant to the plot. Like, you just find <laughs> random crud that happens to have got thrown under a desk or a bed or whatever, and, and yet some of it turns out to be a, a major turning point for things as well. So yeah. I didn't want all of it to. I thought probably most of the stuff they lost would be like quills. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hidden rat food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and girly <It> was... magazines. <laughs> Serious? And whose magazines were those? Those were Peter's. <laughs> no. Okay. Serious no. wouldn't have left his behind. <laughs> that's, that's true. He would have had them dog-eared and, and bookmarked and have notes on them and stuff, too. So. <laughs> and cross On the wall of his flat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Just being able to find all those little things that they'd forgotten and yeah. Yeah. I just remember seeing the, you know, you have all these different, the pauperants and prongs putting a good one in the forest. It was like, what's in the, f- oh no, that's bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not good at all. Don't go there. <laughs> yeah. At least that's how Harry figured out he was bound. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. It's yeah. true. He did that. But it gave you the quest impetus for the, the first while that a lot of the books have. Yeah, because yeah, I, I was about halfway through, I realized I, I needed to have a solid plot. Um, <laughs> before then, a lot of it was just kind of, let's look around and see what's here. So Yes, well, Sorry. I'm very impressed you managed to do that. The reason <laughs> my stories are short is because I don't have plot. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you're writing plot, what plot? No, wait a minute. No, you're not. <laughs> No, not quite in that fashion. They just don't have enough plot to support length. I do like my little solving the prophecy one, though. That was just fun. I wrote a one-shot before I read Deadly Hallows in which Carrie trips on the way across the battlefield and sets off a catapult the Weasley twins set up, and that's how Voldemort gets killed. He gets squashed by Weasley products. There you go. That's kind of funny. I like it. (laughs) There he lies. The Dark Lord smooshed by two-ton tongue toffees. (laughs) Well, it was Harry's hand that released the catapult. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't say exactly how he was supposed to die. <laughs> oh, no. Fern, have you shown Remus, like, in a challenge call, like, have you shown Remus tying Harry to the map at all? No, I haven't. That, that have might to be keep a fun that one. in mind, then. The days I don't check it is when you put them up and I'm like, oh, crap, because you, you've already asked for the 10 of all. Oh. Yeah. Well, the mini ones are kind of recent. So I'll probably, around the holidays, do a big one. Okay. Leave it That's open a couple days. Okay. And then you've written about Teddy, you've written about James and Albus. Like, who else do you have, like, a hankering for in the fandom? Or maybe not in the fandom. Like, maybe, you know, an original character that is niggling and telling you, I need my story told. Uh, I have a story that got rejected, but with a nice little comment. This isn't really a short story. This is a novel that you're trying to shorten. Like, oh, okay. Um, (laughs) So I may be working on that. And that's actually featuring the character who infused herself a lot into Ruthless. And her name is Alitza. So I may be working a little bit on that. The other ones in the fandom, let's see... I would love to spend more time with Ron and Hermione. I just haven't really spent any time interacting with them very much. And I always liked them. I mean, when I was doing Shifts and Shades, I never wrote Harry, and it was like I didn't like Harry, but I don't. I love Harry. 
So mm-hmm. uh, Harry's so, written a little bit too much anyhow. Yeah, that's true. But, <laughs> uh, I kind of got that with Uncle Harry. So mm-hmm. <laughs> now I've got to do some Ron and Hermione just to, I wrote their engagement once for a challenge call and that was fun. <laughs> Oh, I bet. Ron, Ron was like, didn't I ask you yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, Ron, I you didn't. To. Oh, well, you will marry me, won't you? <laughs> do you have, and maybe I just haven't explored your site enough yet, do you have links to all the different challenge calls? Like, Yeah, if you hit the or HP Fix on LJ, okay. that'll, that'll do most of them, all of okay. them, yeah. Good to know. So, It'll give yeah. me something to do at work when I should yeah. be, you know, working. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> you work <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, the stuff with, in those is I ignore them if it turns out when I'm doing a long one that it's not going to fit or that I've done something else. I'll just ignore what I wrote there because those are just sort of written on the um, spur of the moment. So, mm-hmm. okay. But they're fun. I, I read the first five the other day. I haven't gotten around to the other ones yet, but I had a really good time with the first five. So did you yeah. you read the, the McGonagall one, didn't you? Is it one the of one the first you ones? linked recently? That, yes. Yeah. Did you guys read it? Oh, it, it just I broke read it. It's it very was good. Awesome. Yeah. Because I can see her not, um, she doesn't really realize how everyone thinks about her, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she's very stoic, and she probably thinks that they think of her as that dowdy, strict teacher. Yeah, but it, I mean, it fits so well with what they showed in the movie, because I think the line was, we always know that if something happens, you'd be the first to defend us, and there's there's McGonagall stepping out in front of Harry, and it was just like, Fern mm-hmm. just wrote about that! That was yeah, like, well, actually what I saw. <laughs> you know, Minerva kicks butt, let's just put she it that does. way. Yeah, she does, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I remember after, I think it was after Phoenix came out on the Sugar Quill forums, there was a thread called, How Hard Does McGonagall Rock? We just watched the movie yesterday and um, my mom leaned over to me twice and said, Go McGonagall. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Maggie Smith thought she'd be an action hero at her age. <laughs> wow, probably not. I mean, she played a nun. I think that's probably the <laughs> she figured she yeah. was done. She was in yeah. Peter Pan. Too. Well, she was in Hook, which counts for being in Peter Pan. Yeah, mm-hmm. but she didn't get a good action that. sequence. No, <laughs> I will give the the um, Potter books that they have a lot of old people doing things. So. Mm-hmm. Well, magic is helpful that way. You don't, you don't have to yes, necessarily <laughs> leap around and do somersaults to be able to do a lot of mm-hmm. great stuff. Yeah, kick butt sequences yeah well when they didn't have them taking the owls in the astronomy tower you knew that you weren't going to see her get stupefied and Mm -hmm. i don't think she would have been able to you know survive that anyway so no she's made of stern stuff (laughs) she's just freaking awesome yes (laughs) i've always wanted to use that spell i know that was a good addition i like that (laughs) it just just made me giggle yeah lady that plays molly oh i love her she just kind of looked at her like really molly's just like okay (laughs) (laughs) oh boy So, do you think that now that we've reached the end of the books and the end of the movies, do you think that that's going to affect output, not just on what you're writing, but other people? And uh, oh, I the- think probably. I think we've seen some drop off since the seventh book came out. Yeah, but I think it'll settle into something more normative. I think it'll be more like Tolkien fandom. Mm-hmm. where they had that little sh- shoot-up during the movies. But then it, it went back to pretty regular levels and pretty active regular levels. So, Well, I got into fan fiction when they were fanzines. Yeah. Okay, you know, uh-huh. Star Trek. And 
Paramount doesn't allow anybody to do. You really have to be under the radar in order to do anything for Star Trek. But I have seen an explosion with Star Wars and there was a big bump with Babylon 5 and another big bump with Stargate. And Stargate's kind of has slacked off and has gone different directions because the series itself has gone different directions. But, you know, Star Trek is still going strong after 45 years. And and yeah. Star Wars is still going strong after 35 years. So yeah. I, I don't, you know, yeah, I can see 20 years from now we may still be having people writing Harry Potter fan fiction. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt it at all. I, I mean, you go over there, they've got like Secret Garden fan fiction, so yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. over at the pit. So. There's fan fiction on all sorts of stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, and the level with... of competency for the fan fiction, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A few weeks hey, ago, we I ran across uh, Basil of Baker Street fan fiction, which I didn't oh, know existed, but apparently there's actual separate sites for that as well. So Yeah, I've seen Sherlock Holmes fan fiction. I was going to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, well, I thought that Sherlock was kind of... Holmes fans are pretty well organized and they've got a real fandom. <laughs> yeah, some of them even get it published. Yeah, I seem mm-hmm. to remember his mother wrote to him after he killed off Holmes and she's like, how dare you kill off that nice Mr. Holmes? <laughs> 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 so he I brought think, him back to life. Yeah, I think um, with um, with the movies coming out with Sherlock Holmes, it's really has perked up more. Yeah. My mom's an English teacher and we went to, t- I took her to, to the movie and stuff like that. I have never got such an education <laughs> until after that movie. I heard everything just about Sherlock Holmes and Sir Egbert or whatever his mm-hmm. darn name is. And I'm just like, yeah, mom, I really did not want to know that. She goes, did you know he killed him off? And she goes, and there was an uprising. <laughs> yeah. like, the fandom went crazy. <laughs> It did. It just took them a little longer to tell him about it. That's right. (laughs) You know, because they had to write the letter and put it in an envelope and stamp it and then the postal service. Wait for the horses to get it there and all that. Well, both ways. Weren't the the original Sherlock Holmes, wasn't it a serial? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. They it was were a newspaper published series. in a newspaper. Yeah. A lot of them. And it was uh, like a... um, Dickens was always a serial and mm-hmm. people used to go and crowd on the docks when it would come in. Yeah, cuz yeah. waiting for the the next segment of Oliver Twist. Next... Well, mm-hmm. you know, and all the really good I look at the look at the sci-fi from the 50s and the 60s, you know, you get the pulp fiction mm-hmm. and they were all in like analog magazine and you could get, mm-hmm. you know, chapter 28, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a monthly or a bi-monthly magazine and yeah. it, um, yeah, and that's a market pretty that's all pretty much gone. Edgar Rice Burroughs things, all of those. Well, yeah. we're, a, we're, a, we're on the internet. Now we do that on the internet. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Well, and and we're such a, we're such a, a need it, want it now society. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't write something for a couple of weeks. And it's like, oh my God, is something wrong? Has something happened? No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm okay. okay. I just haven't written. <laughs> Have you received like someone like try to bribe you to get you to write faster? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I'm surprised. Yeah, Trisha will be the yeah. first. No. <laughs> if you write me to seven, I'll, 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 I'll miss you something. <laughs> As I put down my scarf that I'm working on, what? <laughs> Yeah, no, they're they're mostly like, oh no, please, I'm I'm getting off all my nails. So, yeah, um, 
Well, what other authors do you like to read in the Harry Potter fandom? Um, you know, I haven't read that much of Harry Potter fanfic because I try to avoid making sure that I don't have what other people are doing in cross contamination. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what I try to avoid. I read a lot over on the Sugar Quill. Uh, a lot of the ones over there. Uh, yeah, I've read Xenia, I've read Alcari, quite a few. But it's been a while since I've, I've actually read any fanfic, to tell the truth. I used to read almost everything on the Forcenet because I was on their editorial team. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Sugar Quill has become dormant. It's an archive. Yeah. yeah. What? It's, it's a static archive. Sugar Sugar yeah. Quill hasn't hasn't done anything for quite some time. Yeah, that they announced that a while back. I guess Xenia moved on and wanted to do some other stuff. Yeah. Was That's there what, any, because I know a lot of what we do in the podcast, there's a lot of inside jokes and, you know, Hermione the Tribal Warrior and different things like that. Were <laughs> there any, I'm trying to figure out where the quotes came from. <laughs> so say, were there any that you were particularly wondering about that we can answer for you? Uh, well, I actually Googled some of them. <laughs> that I was really wondering about and got the, the Harry Potter musical. Oh, hey, that's it. Good... I can't think of it. <laughs> Shoot. It's not about Edgecombe, was it? <laughs> what? No, it wasn't about Edgecombe. <laughs> or, or, or Yellowstone? No, I was fascinated by the Yellowstone digression. <laughs> we, we talk about Yellowstone a lot. <laughs> it's because it was such Did a fun podcast. Did you see uh, uh, 2012 where they escaped Yellowstone on foot? <laughs> Well, interrupting. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then flew the plane through uh, a pyroclastic flow and got oh. outside on the other side. <laughs> yeah, that was a was a super indestructible airplane or something. Wow. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> that would they be an interesting thing to do in a movie sometime is do but, yeah. some sort of action movie cliche and then at what actually would happen like uh, they, <laughs> they start flying up. through oh, and it just God. goes through the end goes through the other side and crashes to the ground oh yeah i guess whoops. that's the movie uh, <laughs> whoops <laughs> rewind <Yeah. laughs> oh boy. choose your own adventure yeah, there's actually one of those how it should have ended for 2012 where they go through the whole movie and uh, he's telling what's going to happen and then something falls on them and they all drown. Well, it's like, you know, we're flying through buildings that are falling down. Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, I laughed really hard. I can't say I didn't enjoy the movie, but I don't think I was supposed to enjoy it quite that way. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be funny. <laughs> yes. As a comedy, it was gold. Gosh, it's terrible. <laughs> Airplane for the modern era. Yeah. Yeah, the so, modern era who doesn't have a clue as to what actually is supposed to happen. Yeah. In trying to figure out some of our inside jokes, have you gone back to listen to any of the other podcasts or looked at what we've no, read? No, I haven't. And- I've thought about it. <laughs> I haven't actually done Uh-oh. it yet. I'll Uh-oh. put a yet on there. Because <laughs> I, I have been enjoying them. Okay. Well, a whole bunch of them came from after the end of all things. Yeah. Ah, sure. And, that was uh, the beginning thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was with their first. I still haven't podcast. listened to those. What? <laughs> it's because I still haven't read the fic. <laughs> I have this wonderful like audio thing that I was listening to, uh-huh. but someone stopped making oh. the audio stop. <laughs> that would be <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. okay, I know, I know. <laughs> Tilly was reading it out loud for us. I'm on chapter 28 now of I After the End. I, of After the End, and so far, it's we're about halfway through on chapter 28, and it's 30 hours long already. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. It, well, and, and everybody's like, oh, well, you know, it can't be that big. I'm like, it's got more words than war and peace. It's <laughs> long. It's that long. <laughs> it is a little. Even the Battle of Wills ones aren't quite that long, I don't think. <laughs> yes. yeah, 51 no. chapters or not. Oh, yeah. So. Well, so, let me extend an invitation to our forums. If you ever get a wild hair and want to join us, it's butterfickforum.com. And if you do join, then we will bestow on you the Order of Merlin, because we do that to all of our authors. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's, yeah, I was thinking about it, but I didn't, wasn't sure if it would be appropriate while you were doing the, the podcast. Oh, it's no, always. We yeah, always, always we have people do this all the time. Okay. Yeah, we've had several <laughs> of them have that have come in before the podcasts were released, but and while we were uh, reviewing them and mm-hmm. come in and went, oh, you guys are crazy. That's how um, and Tasha chose to respond to us was to come and respond on the forum pages rather than doing an interview. <laughs> like this yes yeah (laughs) so we're bringing you a little bit of traffic anyhow yeah Yeah. (laughs) well you'll have more traffic after the reviews go up as well because people will be like i want to read this story Ah, we already have colin trying to make muggles and minions on the forum so there you go yeah (laughs) (laughs) twick and flesh is working on it Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, it would be interesting if you did join, because then you could, you know, if you wanted to read that other Teddy Lupin fic, and you can give your take on they did. Or if not, because that might, you <laughs> might get, get sidetracked by what you want to do. It's just sort yeah. of Yeah, we'll see. Let her finish first, mm-hmm. then then get sidetracked. Finish? <laughs> okay. Let's okay. see, how, how far do we have in shift first to go? Wow. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, yeah, and... That's the other thing, which uh, was sort of spoiled earlier in this conversation, but hopefully uh, we haven't totally turned you off because we are planning on doing shifts for our next season. (laughs) Which is Trisha's favorite, and she's the one that kind of got it on the schedule, so... A lot of the people that, and Sue does this, and Trish does this, and I do this to a certain extent, we'll take the fiction, we'll take the fanfic stories, and we'll put them into a text-to-speech and uh, listen to them. Mm-hmm. And I find that listening to something, I don't miss as much. <laughs> I'm the other way. I can't concentrate. <laughs> well, see, I'm a multitasker. I'm sitting here uh, talking and knitting and at the same yeah. time, and, you know, the... TV's on mute and I'm watching the Romans on the TV and, you know, I have to do more than yeah. one thing at a time. When it comes to listening to audiobooks, I like to do it in the car because that's my focus. Yeah, for me, I do it while I'm at work, except when I have to type something, then it just turns into I start writing what I hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I've learned not to do that anymore. It's my, like, focus that it's, like, it's not background, but I pay attention to it, but I can, I can sit there and add and subtract and stuff like that because all I do is math. And it's just, I don't, instead of listening to everybody else's conversation around me because I'm in cubicle heaven. So, yeah. But yeah, it's fun listening to them. (laughs) It's it's quite funny to watch watch me. um, Yeah, we're fun listening to it. It's, I start um, talking to people. Well, (laughs) they don't realize it. I'm talking to them. And I'm usually yelling at at the characters and stuff and saying, no, (laughs) no, 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 and I scare people. So I try not. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I have to say, I usually listen to the podcasts at work 
because I'm usually doing a lot of data manipulation. And there are times when I've had to like stop what I'm doing and I'm laughing. I'm trying not to laugh out loud because people would look at me weird. But like I had to like shove my, my hand in like my fingers in my mouth and like bite down on my knuckle because they are just hilarious. Whether you like the story or not, <laughs> the tangents that we go on are... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, they don't give us sound at yeah. work. <laughs> worried, about, worried about us getting distracted, I think. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we pick the strangest details to focus on and spend 20 minutes nitpicking this one set. <laughs> it like, doesn't quite make sense. You mean like Why how is Teddy it... good at potions? <laughs> <laughs> no. Why do they keep climbing up the boat? Why? Why? <laughs> They flip the damn boat over. Upside down. <laughs> this was from one of Melinda Leo's fix. It was the seventh horcrux. A boat gets capsized, but the people who were reviewing it didn't quite catch that, and there was also <laughs> alcohol involved, and it was, yeah, things was went on yeah. a spiral for a while. Yeah. Ryan had to break into the podcast when he was editing it. With He has a little um, klaxon that he puts in. And says, okay, this boat is capsized. <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay. Oh. She she just likes the killer chicken stories, you know. <laughs> yeah, chickens. yeah, the killer chickens. <laughs> Not like the kappa. The yeah, the kappa was. was when I looked up what kappas did, I was like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you turned it into gold. Thank you. It was good. <laughs> By the way, like I just happened to listen to our last podcast. We were talking in depth about where Teddy found the ring. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that is, like, I, I feel like that was Harry's influence on Teddy, to go out in a snowstorm to get the ring. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, Harry wouldn't admit it because he's all like, oh, I'm trying to teach him not to be obsessed with the past. And, you know, uh-huh. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure no, you are. I say, not what I do. Yep. Yeah, um, but to, to go out and do something, I wouldn't say stupid, but not really thought through. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason Teddy's in Gryffindor. Yes. <laughs> yes. He may think he's a Ravenclaw, but no. <laughs> well, and I really appreciated the fact that you had these kids actually looking for adults and actually looking for help. I mean, they ran into danger, yes, but they did send for help before they did it, which is something... Harry would never have done. So Well, Harry didn't have any reason to trust the adults in his life. Teddy does. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, it would be I interesting just... to find out what would have happened in the books if he'd said more things to McGonagall or she'd paid attention when he did say something and things like that. It would be so. really difficult to write the plot. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the thing I found out with Shifts and Shades. It's really hard to make the adults fully competent when they have to, you know, palm everything off on a 13-year-old kid. Mm. Well, the, the, and the problem in the books was, you know, everybody's thing was, go back to your common room and don't worry about it. It's like, but, 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 <laughs> yeah. you know, they're going to go out. You know, they're going to do something. I mean, haven't you seen room. them? It's called Watch History Repeating. Yeah, and seriously, <laughs> if, if all of the heads of house were members of the houses they're in, they know. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> Minerva knows. You know she was out there in the middle of the night. 
playing Quidditch. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Filling the rooms. I mean, he really was playing Quidditch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wonder what position she would be. I could see her in a lot of them, actually. I don't know. I her as goalkeeper. I was going to say beater. I think she'd I can be a, see uh, her as a beater, yeah. She <laughs> looks all sweet and innocent, but she can wallop that crap out of you. To, to quote yep. my, my favorite... Never raise an eyebrow. Just mash that bludger over. Fair, yeah. no, I, I, I totally think she'd be beater. Um, now you need a fic where Harry and co. find a picture of the Quidditch team from 1960-whatever, you know. <laughs> Blur, get down. Sorry, yeah, my cat's cat. in the sink again. Your cat's always in the sink. It's been a long time since... Oh, okay, she's down. It's been a long time since she's been in the sink. Aren't cats supposed to dislike water? I don't know. My roommate's cat, Jelly Roll, used to sleep in the sink all day and let us turn the water on over him without moving. So. <laughs> I see that. I've seen the the cat where the cat actually turned the water on uh-huh. on the sink and then rubbed underneath the faucet to get wet. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it was like an auto car wash, a cat wash. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, they they dislike water when it's not their choice. When it's their choice, they're just fine with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they don't want to be immersed in it. But right. having it run over them, they're fine with that. Yeah, yeah. my son uh, likes to shoot my poor cat with, <laughs> with what? With a water pistol. Oh, well, yeah, and she absolutely loves it. Until she's like, okay, I had enough, and then she runs away. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm I have a little squirter that I use to get my cat off things. Yeah, so yeah. do I, but she doesn't, because since my son squirts her so much, it doesn't even affect yeah. her more. It's like, oh, right. okay with me. Yeah. yeah. You have to it's use like a my... bigger squirt bottle. <laughs> I, he does now have a water cannon, so I can maybe do that. I'm afraid I might yeah. drop. <laughs> Reminds me of my aunt's cat. When she's vacuuming, he chases her around, so she'll vacuum over him. (laughs) He likes the the feeling of that, apparently. I have tried to vacuum her, and she won't let me. I have tried to vacuum your cat? Yeah, I have a... Some cats like that. I got a Dyson, and the thing is, I mean... Jeez, I mean, how much hair she shed? Do you think she'd be freaking bald by now? But I try to take my Dyson hose to her and try to, like... And no, she just won't. She won't have anything to do with that. She let me do it once, and that was it. Then when I tried to do it again, she attacked me. I have a friend who had a cat that liked to be vacuumed, and it was bugging her and bugging her one night. You know, vacuum me, vacuum me. She's finally like, all right, fine, and vacuumed her, and the cat died overnight. And she was so happy that she had given in and vacuumed it because that was like its last wish. Oh my gosh! Oh, hey. Topic? What topic? <laughs> we're talking yeah, about we're winding down <laughs> yeah so do we That's have any like, more things to say about oh, forest guard i was gonna say fern did you have anything else that you wanted to share with us or you know oh, talk to us I, about or yell at us for? I'll, I'll drop over to the forums though if i think of anything <laughs> that would be wonderful did you guys have anything else oh i know i know morris it's not maurice it's morris unless he's speaking the papadis of love uh, morris ah. Ah. maurice <laughs> Yeah. He's not actually French origin. Yeah. No. No, I can't think of anything else particular. Did you have any other questions? Gosh. Uh, I don't I don't think so. I went through my list. We'll probably think of seven in two days or something. <laughs> if you do come over you can always critique the list of Muggles and Minions skills Swish and Flick has come up with so far. <laughs> He's got a okay. giant list. I have no idea where he came up with all of these, but yeah. <laughs> oh, I haven't been over there to look at it yet. Oh yeah, I looked at the list. I was like, I'm overwhelmed. I can't handle this right now. <laughs> 
So, Fern, yeah, if you drop on by the forums, we'd be happy to see you. Also, if you decide to take the uh, the sorting test, let me know. I am <laughs> sorting hat, and I'd be happy to put you in house. Okay. So, we won't fight, honestly. <laughs> oh yeah, Hufflepuffs are definitely fun. I was so proud when she announced that Tonks was a Hufflepuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. I got it right! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'll be one of the things that's fun to find out if she does more of that with Pottermore. Like, what house Cornelius Fudge and Gilderoy Lockhart and various other random people are in. I am determined to find out what house Umbridge is in because I just... He's a Slytherin! Oh, no. I think she's a Hufflepuff with all, the, all her loyalty issues. I think she's a dark Hufflepuff. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Mm-hmm. Could be. Oh, no. I don't think I like that. They so apparently <laughs> didn't hug enough back then. That's all. <laughs> okay. no, that's where hugging. she came up with the fluffy sweaters. Maybe. <laughs> and the she wears paint. Something wrong with her. She wears paint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she just likes paint. <laughs> that's just, yeah. that's just wrong. Yeah, maybe she gets from Sparkly Poo House. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think she's enough of a Mary Sue for that. You know, yeah. I, I get the impression that she may have not gone to Hogwarts. Hmm. Because vocational school. Well, I don't know because because look at I look at the people who have been there for so long, McGonagall mm-hmm. and Hagrid, and you know she acted like she didn't know them. Maybe mm-hmm. that's that? true. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe she's she a Durstein grad. Yeah. Maybe she went to Hobbitons. We don't know. Mm-hmm. No, that yeah. might explain the pink. That might explain the pink. <laughs> <laughs> You know? don't think about that, don't you? I'm not sure she went to Hogwarts. Huh. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I have a, I have a quick question, just in general, Fern. So we know, you know, if you read through the rest of the series, you understand why the um, Teddy's years is small. Mm-hmm. Was there any impact? Do you think, in your mind's eye, that Durmstrang and Bobatons were as small that year, or do you think that they were bigger because they got an influx of? I think they were probably about the same size as they would normally be. We just didn't see a lot of them coming in to fight. So I think probably the war was limited to Britain. I don't think they got the big influx, at least the way I see it. Those ministries are pretty close to each other. So if people were running away, they would run elsewhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, I had them running off to the different corners of the former empire. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like the the Canadian. Yeah. I I did like the Canadian. (laughs) I don't specifically identify with him a lot, but it was nice that he was there. (laughs) Well, I used to live on the border and I I, I get so nostalgic. I actually bought a Canadian coin out of the the drawer once. (laughs) So, the change drawer. (laughs) Yeah. It was nice to be able to walk across. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. That would be. Yeah. And now I'm down here in the middle of the Great Southwest. You're in a hot spot, too. I am. <laughs> but it's a dry heat. <laughs> it's a dry heat, right. It makes a big difference when it's 98. <laughs> well, actually, it does. It does. It does. Because it feels better at 98 out here than 85 in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. yeah it isn't being dry here right now, which is part of why it's so hot. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's actually Unfortunately, half the state is on fire. So. We're mm. cooled down to 89 degrees, but it feels mm. like 98 right now. Yeah. Because yeah. I value my life, I will not tell you the temperature where I am. Yeah, I know you. <laughs> Is it like 75? Uh-huh. And- yes. <laughs> uh. It was raining while I was pulling weeds today. God, it poured today, and I happened to be out in it, and I got soaked. Yeah, so did I, and it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a big balloon fight, to water balloon fight, to end the summer reading program, so I'm looking forward to getting completely drenched. Oh, that will be fun. 
I will send yeah. you my son's water cannon. <laughs> I uh, worked with before and after school elementary kids one year and we had a water balloon fight and the young man came up behind me and popped the balloon on my head and I ignored him. Oh dear. Well, actually, so, we had a war with his stupid little like, bathtub squirters and I had a three-year-old who decided to become a mercenary and she was controlling all of the water supply for everybody. I'm not giving you any water. <laughs> well, he came up with behind me a little bit later with a sponge and wrung uh-huh. the sponge out on my head. Yeah. And then he came after me a third time. I can't remember what he got me with the third time. And by then I'd had it. And it was time for me to leave. Mm. So I took off my shoes. And when I did that, the other teachers were like, oh, he's dead. And I scooped him up in my arms and I walked to the pool. And he was like, I'm not letting go. You can't drop me. And I said, oh, that's fine. And I sat down in the pool. <laughs> and then I went home and left him at school drenched because he had another two hours and I was leaving. So I, I got around him. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> he became one of my favorite students and actually used to come home with me and work on the farm. And I saw the first three movies with him on opening ah. night. So that was fun. Three, Let's three, uh, close this out. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Well, for, thanks for, for reading the story. And <laughs> but I will- I will try to lurk as much on your live journal. I'll comment more. <laughs> I, just was, I just wasn't sure if it was like a select group who always commented. And I just didn't want to be the weird one. It's like, oh my God, we're reading you for a fair. Like, I just did not want to be that person. <laughs> no, we have a lot of random commenters. Most of them got to be regulars just because they were randomly commenting. So. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so, I didn't always know most of these people. A few came over from Sugar Quill, but... Poor Sugar Quill. Yeah, I know. Alas, alas, poor Sugar Quill. I knew it well. Yes. Goodness, goodness. <laughs> Go, Charlie. <laughs> Sorry. Charlie, is that all we're going to get? Where's the towel? <laughs> oh, no. I was I was um, rooting for Charlie Morton. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm oh, sorry. Charlie. She's all watching right. baseball. Just uh-huh. <laughs> Okay. Well. Thank you again. We really appreciate you uh, putting yourself into our hands and uh, not throwing things at your computer as you listen to us. Or running away screaming. (laughs) And also for being brave enough to join us for this interview when you knew we had two rabid fans. I sent her the last podcast where you two are drooling. <laughs> She's heard it. You haven't. She's heard Sorry. it. Sorry. Thank you again. And, uh, and we really, really did enjoy your story. And we're going to move on to a new one. So that's really and we, cool. And we really appreciate you taking the time to, to come listen to our babbling. <laughs> and to babble with I, us. I like babbling. <laughs> babbling is good. <laughs> and our off-topic topic. Topic? We have a certain tendency for tangents. There are Muppets involved. (laughs) Muppets are involved. There's there's Muppets involved in the next episode. (laughs) There were Muppets in the last episode. Well, we'll say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight. 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 Bye-bye. So home. Hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.